0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mitch unfiltered episode two hundred and thirty seven if you could only hear what we we're just talking Ooh, about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not good. Only you could.
0: Not good. It would be the last edition of Mitch Unfiltered. Yep. It sure would. Yeah. What are you wearing there? I don't want to guess what that is. What is that? Uh,
1: (laughs) We adults call this a bandana. A bandana. Yes. And the
0: purpose of the bandana, you came straight from Tacoma, Washington. The purpose of the bandana,
1: please. (laughs) The Tacoma, Washington part is relevant. Well, I don't know. You came from a softball game. (laughs) So it was kind of hot on Saturday. I don't know if you were uh, living in the state or not at that time. Yeah. yeah. Very hot. So I got caught. kind of burnt i thought you were uh you're a working man on saturday it rotates my ah, schedule rotates ah. so i'm back to saturdays all four ah. saturdays in a row yeah it flips so you got weeks. a little
0: sun on the on the put <laughs>
1: uh oh sniffing already yes and then i think i need a haircut you know like most people get haircuts when you it look like long. vince neal is that a guy who is vince neal it is a guy yes i'm surprised you pulled that name out of your ass that's who you look like well, because he's a fat ass now, is no, that kind no, of what no. it is? it's the it's the whatever you bandana? bandana yeah. Does he wear one like a he or? does? I have a feeling you're thinking of Brett Michaels. Oh, but I think Vince Neal wears one too, <laughs> which is but the, I don't even know who Vince Neil is. I least name band, out of my ass. Motley Crue. He's the lead singer. Yeah, I think that's who I'm thinking of. Okay, no, Bre- maybe Brett Michaels. I think Brett Michaels has it surgically installed to his head. Oh, like you've never seen him. So I'm thinking of Brett Michaels. Maybe, oh, yeah, boy. And I, I think Brett. Honestly, I swear to God, I think he has hair transplanted into the bandana so it sits perfectly
0: oh that's who i'm thinking of. i think that's brett michaels brett michaels
1: yeah lead singer so why of? would i say
0: i have no idea
1: poison why would i say Vince <laughs> I can you name anyone else in motley Crue? No, you... I, I didn't know that he was in motley crew <laughs> I, I don't even know what motley Crue is <laughs> you can probably get the drummer episode um prodigious downstairs oh geez i don't know tommy lee come on oh tommy lee yeah with Pam? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. dated they her that, for a while. They, they, they did that video that, together that the r- boat. The romantic video on yeah, the boat? Yeah, I love the boat video. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. She doesn't love that it's out
0: there. No, she doesn't. Did you ever watch that miniseries, by the way? I watched the video. No, I didn't watch the miniseries.
1: <laughs> we know you watched the video. You didn't yeah, have to mention yeah. that. But the miniseries, it really portrayed much I, I spoke how much into my it.
0: Xfinity remote when I put on the miniseries,
1: Skip to the video. <laughs> That's right. And it didn't work. <laughs> It's not that smart yet. The tech's not quite there. but It would be nice. But I mean, you know, we're laughing, but it really did like F up her life. Like she hated it so much that that video was out there. So when you watch the miniseries, you kind of feel... It's funny because on the other stuff segment
0: of this episode 237, I'm going to bring up for conversation the famous video of Paris Hilton. You are going to bring it up? Yes. One night in Paris? There's some news about that video. Really? So now you're bringing up the... Huh, Pamela Anderson
1: thing. Yeah, You're telling weird. me she hated it. Did she hate According it? According to this miniseries, I don't know if she was part Does of it. Does she hate it now that she's like ninety-seven and it's still out there? Apparently, she really hate. I mean, first Did of she all, she hated at the time. Do you know the story of how he got it? He just stole no. it out of their house. He was a construction worker. Well, I know
0: that, but I'm talking about. Was she mad that it was videoed in the first place? I mean, she seemed to be having a good... No. I've seen it. She She seemed to be having a nice time. I think she was enjoying herself. Um, Yes. Why are we talking about this (laughs) at the start of episode 237? We only have a game seven. (laughs) We only have a scuffling baseball team. We only have three days worth of a draft, and we're starting all because... Can we retrace this? It was
1: because I said Vince Neal. Yeah, but he wears one well all you the said time ben too. Michaels. Yeah. I'm just surprised you and know that. And then we ended up Tommy Lee. Yeah, that right. Was, that's how we got. That's through. how we got here. Yeah. Probably the same conversation you had in 1998 on your show. We're just you know doing it 25 years later. God, 98, 99, right. 2000. <laughs> but you're bringing up Paris's video though.
0: I'm only you, bringing up Paris's video because you brought stuff. up Pamela Anderson's video and said she
1: hates it. But didn't you say you have a story about it? Or yeah, in the Other oh, Stuff segment. Wow, I can't wait to hear. I thought I would have This isn't that. the
0: Other Stuff segment. This is, our, oh, I wish it was. this is our warm-up segment, and the warm-up's not going particularly it's, well. No, <laughs> oh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Cameroon. Hello. Do you know the country of Cameroon? Sure, yeah. That's 237. Oh, it is? Yeah, country oh. code 237. All right. What's the capital of Cameroon? If you get this right, I quit. I literally quit if you get the capital city of Cameroon. Don't look at me like you know.
1: No, I don't.
0: I wish I did, because I want you you to
1: quit. You would have no idea. Okay, go on. Ya unde. Oh, that would have been great if I pulled that out. That would have been (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, ya unde. Okay, you gotta quit. See you later. That'd be the end. Yes, it would. That'd be the end as we know it. Mm -hmm.
0: Available on all podcast platforms, episode 237. Subscribe. And rate us, please, on Apple Podcasts. We need some new reviews. We need some five-star ratings, please. Like the last couple, uh, Sainted9 gave us five stars. Good. A must-add to your subscriptions. Even if you're not from Seattle, he writes, or not really a sports fan, he writes, (laughs) this is a great Monday morning podcast to start your week your week with his Patreon content is great as well. Worth the subscription and then
1: some keep it up Mitch five stars. Now that's that's what we're talking about. Solid yeah. Even Solid. If, even if you're not into entertainment this podcast is for you. You'll even love it. if you can't hear. <laughs> yeah, right. You'll love it. These guys are great. That's right.
0: Yes. Russ Rat gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Great show keep the sniff. Oh okay. The King of Magnolia gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Come for the sports.
1: Stay for the sniffs and poop jokes. Gosh, that's, that's what it's come to. <laughs> All your broadcasting oh. school at Syracuse. And <laughs> this is what it's parlayed into. I took sniffs 101 yeah. and poops 203. <laughs> I'm sure you did.
0: Yes. Fun show, love the laughter, interviews and insights. Excellent snackable content. For commutes, oh, okay. workouts, or for pretending that you're on a work
1: call, keep it up. What's a snackable content? Well, I think he's probably talking Patreon. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, I'm, I'm guessing. Excellent snackable yeah.
0: content for commutes, workouts. Now, this is on Apple Podcasts and pretending you're on a work call snackable content
1: yeah so like the first segment's not super long and then you can skip to like your oh. interviews aren't so you know you can sort yeah. of break it up if you have yeah. snackable yeah fun size
0: and how's it going for him right now listening to this
1: yeah <laughs> how's a, this snack for he fast forwarded <laughs> a long time ago don't worry about
0: him <laughs> now's the time to become a patron cracking note table a new one is coming i just want to state for the record before we begin it's not often that we do this you can be you could be my witness. We are recording this before Game 7. We yeah. didn't want to record at 11 o'clock at night. Right. So Game 7 hasn't happened yet. By the time people listen to this, you'll know. But we will be doing a crack and no table sure. after Game 7 for the patrons. Okay? M- makes sense. Yes. Mariners no table, puffery with Danny O'Neill, shooting the shit with Slick. All comes your way every week for $5 a month. MitchUnfiltered.com. If you legitimately legitimately can't swing the $5, let me know at mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Lonnie writes, I found it very interesting when you were explaining to Scott Uh-oh. about how exciting, tense, and stressful a hockey playoff can be. Now, I'm going to stop right there and see if you can guess where this email is going. That's the first sentence. I found it very interesting when you were explaining to Scott about how exciting, tense, and stressful a hockey playoff can be.
1: I think it's too easy to say he's going to shit on me, so I think we're going to go. He's going to say, how would you know? You've only been watching hockey Ah, for 20 minutes. That's
0: an interesting guess. It'd be wrong. Okay. And on previous episodes, you talked about not growing up with hockey, never having played hockey, but now after following it, you seem to be quite the fan. Sounds like I'm right still, but go ahead. (laughs) My question is, why did you not give soccer and the Sounders (laughs) the
1: same respect? I've never seen that coming a mile away. I would not have seen that. I should have, but I wouldn't. Everything you say about hockey... You've said about soccer. I have. Regular season matches
0: are fun, but playoff soccer, especially if it goes to penalty kicks, is really intense and exciting. It's a free country, and you do you, Mitch. Oh,
1: it is a free country.
0: I just don't understand why local media didn't embrace the Sounders like they want us to do for the Kraken. It's as if the 30, 40, 50, 60,000 fans at the matches are a mirage. I was just hoping for an explanation of why you have done this as a possible insight as to why local media still ignores the MLS. Do they? I don't know. Other cities are selling their souls to get a team, and we have one of the two or three best franchises. Sincerely, Lonnie G. Lonnie G is a soccer fan that can't understand how I can get into hockey with no
1: background in it, but I can't get into soccer. What he's saying is, when he says you've said the same things about soccer is that you didn't grow up with it oh you're you know yeah you, you don't know true. from it you didn't play it so no. that's what nobody he's saying. i knew played it right, right. same right. thing with hockey true but for some reason you've embraced true. this hockey and you can't get behind soccer that's his question What kind of a hypocrite are you is what he wants to know. It's a different, is soccer and hockey the exact same game? (laughs) He's just suggesting you haven't even given it a chance. That's not true. Oh, you have given it a chance. That's certifiably, not certifiably. It's just not true. It feels like the Sounders are in the playoffs every year. And you don't ever seem like you're just the Sounders. Don't ever end, do they? Is there an off season? They're always in some sort of cup or some sort of a calf. Yeah, there's just
0: always something going. No, I've watched this. I just don't find the sport of soccer. I have watched soccer. I watched the World Cup. I just don't find the game viewing it as exciting as I have found hockey. Okay, fair enough. Hockey's inside. It's slippery inside. That's that's why you like. Well, it. I like major indoor soccer a lot more than outdoor. That's right. Soccer. You sure do. I do. It's actually kind of. Have you ever watched indoor Indo- soccer? Sure, yeah. It's kind of interesting.
1: It's kind of fun. I used to love it. Tacoma Stars. There's a back lot in more
0: action. I don't know. the The field seems too big for these fellows. Yeah, it's, it's a enormous. very
1: long field. Yeah. There's
0: lots of running back and forth, and I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> I've tried soccer. I will continue to. Casually observe if there's a big soccer. Game. I'll watch the World Cup when it comes to the United States. I will. Yeah, I watched the World Cup this last time okay. around. I just, I don't know. I,
1: I have found hockey to be more exciting. Am I? Are you? I mean, I think it probably is a more. I think everyone would agree that it's it's more exciting because yes. it's just faster pace and yes, you know when your team is you know down two one and there's a minute to go and they yes. just keep smacking the puck at the goal. It's tense. Yeah, yes, sure. yes, yes. Yeah, a lot more shots. All right, I think. Next, can I go to the next letter? Yes, you may. Can I
0: go from Lonnie to Dennis? Sure. Hey, Mitch. As I listen to the beginning of today's show, I'm going to give you the first. You see where they're going? Okay, I like play this the game. same game. Yeah, yeah. I was intrigued by your comment. I'm totally hooked when referring to the Kraken oh, playoff hockey. <laughs> Another one. Okay. Would you like to guess where this one's headed? Oh, my gosh. That's all I get. The comment wasn't a surprise, and it's apparent you're really enjoying the sport, given your tweets, the, multi- the multiple Kraken no-table shows, attending games, etc.
1: I think it's I'm going to go back to my answer to the first one, and they're going to call you kind of a fraud for loving it so much. You've been watching for 20 minutes.
0: I haven't followed hockey in the past, but have admittedly jumped on the bandwagon and enjoying the playoffs. Your newfound interest is helping me appreciate the sport. But what came to mind for me, Mitch, is wondering why soccer hasn't captured your attention (laughs) in the same fashion. I think of the Sounders, who have enjoyed oh. great success, winning the MLS equivalent of the Stanley Cup a couple of times. While I've heard a few references to World Cup soccer over the years, it doesn't sound like something you're very interested in. A couple of references I've had, I've had Stretch Johnson, Matt Stretch Johnson, the former voice of the Sounders, yeah. on from the World Cup. Yeah, it's pretty big. I don't listen to the show; it's catching on. Yeah, and I don't think you've spoken much about global soccer. To each their own. And these sports are very different from one another. But I'm curious, why hockey and not soccer for you, Mitch? From your view as an experienced, knowledgeable sports fan who didn't grow up following either sport, what are the key factors that makes hockey work for you when soccer doesn't? I'm sure I'm overly influenced by my long-term love for soccer, so it would be interesting to hear a fresh perspective on this. I enjoy your work, and I'm glad you're back and doing well, and I hope you consider adding a Sounders note table
1: sometime soon dentists i'm not trying to wind anybody up here i'm (laughs) I'm really not but why is it so important for people that other people Soccer fans are sensitive. I know, but what? they have an inferiority complex. It's so important that other people yes. love it like them. Yes. I don't remember any hockey fans ever saying that. Like, And as soon as somebody goes to a restaurant and orders
0: salmon, it's a slight on soccer. <laughs> Everything is a slight <laughs> yeah, on soccer. Right. Going to a hockey game is like right. cheating on soccer. Just it, having a hockey no table is like cheating on soccer. Yeah. It is. It is. If you enjoy it. I feel it, bad. Just enjoy it. What do you you don't you, you don't need me. You know that sensitive friend that you've got that doesn't like hearing that you went out with Wink or something and like what 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 do you yeah. mean you went out with Wink?
2: I try to give those people a life. You went out yeah. with
0: the guys. Yeah. But, but what about what about me? Well, I, I I can't get it. Soc- in my... Soccer's that friend.
1: That's weird. He's that friend who just is very sensitive. It's like when people want to worry me. about him. They want to tell me how much money they're making at Amway and they want me to join and do it as well. But if it's so great, why are you telling me about <laughs> it? Like I never understood that part. Why not just keep it to yourself? Why is it so important that uh, I'm part of it? Oh dear. I feel like I I like. I, do I feel like a soccer hater? I don't feel like I've. Come I'm not out... a soccer hater. Right. I don't think either of us are. I don't think so either. Okay. But they come at us like we can't stand because it. we ordered salmon the other day. yeah i guess who knew guests on this episode 237 three soccer guests <laughs> voice of the arsenal
0: <laughs> simon jones actually, live actually this from- is going to be an nfl draft centric okay good episode of mitch unfiltered let's let the pros
1: do the heavy lifting i mean come on there's too yeah. much to i'm gonna
0: about. give you my theories on kind of philosophically what the Seahawks did in okay. in segment one, and I'd like to hear what your thoughts were. I'm not gonna scout the guys, right? I okay, know. I'm not talking about. The wide receiver that they picked 20th, how he breaks. Right, right. Man, no. I'm not. Yes. Okay, yes. that I'm not gonna pretend.
1: How do you like him in, in his route or out of his route? Does he get low? Is he an X hips? or is he a Z? I need to know about his hips. <laughs> Cam, Cam hips. Chancellor. Oh, he's too stiff for the hips. Cam Cam Chancellor. Watch yeah. the hips. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He can't play safety.
0: Special edition of the Seahawks no table with Brady Henderson and Joe Fan. That will be interview segment one. Danny O'Neal. I moved him from Puffery from the patron show to this show so that we could get Danny O'Neill. Longtime Seattle Times guy and Seahawks beat guy. I want to get his impression on what the Seahawks did in the draft. And then a national perspective from Peter King. Oh, great. Inside scoops on what was happening inside the draft rooms around the National Football League. So all the three, if you're not, if you're not into the NFL draft either from a Seattle Seahawks perspective or a national or you don't have a favorite team in the NFL or you don't care about the NFL or you're just a soccer fan that's giving us the cold shoulder today. <laughs> yeah, these interviews are probably not for you. If it's something that you like and that you found interesting on Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I think all three of these interview segments come at it from a different
1: Angle. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. And at least A little bit different. It's not a mock draft, you know, doing into the microphone. No. So you can at least have that going no. for your listeners. Yeah. I'd rather go to a soccer <laughs> game. <laughs> All day. It's like the easiest thing ever. With uh, the 19th pick, the Detroit Lions are represented <laughs> by Carl from Yelm. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Detroit going to take, Carl? Like, Would you the, stop?
0: You're making the
1: fun hell? of the local sports radio station. They still You're, do that there? Of which you used to be a proud member. Proud member? I mean, that thing was built because of me. Sniff. I mean, someone said the greatest show ever was Gas and I. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I used to love that station.
3: Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Uh. By the way, I'm the only one that worked for 9:50 a.m. and 93.3, which it's on now. Uh huh. So yes, I do have a lot. You seem to forget my overnight shift at 93.3. <laughs> yeah, most people. I went did. right
0: from one studio <laughs> to the next studio yeah. at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, you sure did. Episode 227, three interviews, and then the other stuff segment. Episode 237, Hotshot Scott, doesn't happen without our partners like the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Seems like every day we hear about high interest rates and difficulty getting home loans. Well, Jordan Flowers and his team, very aggressive and creative, can get you packages better than most if you're buying a home, a second home, or an investment place, 425 890 Two nine five seven. Call Jordan. Daniel's Broiler for special occasions, and what better special occasion is there than Mother's Day? A USDA prime fillet for mom, or a nice piece of salmon in an atmosphere that screams respect and gratitude. Three of the locations open early on that Sunday. Make your reservations now. Danielsbroiler.com. You gotta love Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses evergreen golf call tax advisors certified financial planners and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof check them out evergreengk.com more than just a financial advisor evergreen is everything wealth zeke's pizza ordering via the zeke's pizza app has gotten easier than ever. A complete overhaul. Download and try it. And what a craft beer selection at Zeke's. President Dan Black is going to highlight one of the locals on this show, Homegrown in the Northwest. And John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions, whether it's a brand new fireplace inside or out or garage doors, begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. Draft Centric is episode 237, And it begins right now
4: unfiltered
0: at number five overall talent trumps need so by simple math what he was saying is the talent of Witherspoon is bigger than the talent of Jalen Carter
4: unfiltered
0: I view their roster with many holes and many issues over the next coming years I don't look at them as oh my god they were in the first First round of the playoffs, and they've got a defensive line need, and if they sure that up, they're going to be a Super
4: Bowl contender. Mitch is unfiltered.
0: Episode 227, Hotshot, is now in session, officially We obviously got the Kraken tonight. We don't want to talk too much about that because that's happening after we record. And, of course, there'll be a Kraken note table for patrons after that. We've got a Mariners team that's scuffling. It's weird. You know, several games under 500, difficult series in Toronto. We have that. We've got Julio hobbled with a bad back. But we had three days of NFL. Are you an NFL draft guy? Have we (laughs) talked about this? Do you like the NFL draft?
1: When they have the fifth pick, the team I root for, yes. that makes it a lot more interesting. How about if they have the fifth and 20th pick? Right. I mean, yeah, so there's some stuff to look at. How
0: about if they have two first-rounders and two second-rounders? Exciting. For sure. Four yeah. of the top 52, I believe. Yep. Well, say hello to Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Derek Hall and Zach Charbonnet. Yes. And A good Charbonnet at dinner is good. <laughs> Anthony Bradford. Say hello to Cameron Young and Mike Morris. Uh-oh. Olu... Olu Timmy, say hello to Olu Olu Timmy out of Michigan and Jarek Reed and Kenny McIntosh. Did you like what the Seahawks did? Were you proud of your local team as you watched on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday or caught up with it on your phone or however you followed on your computer, the NFL draft and what the Seahawks
1: did? I wasn't sure I loved a cornerback in the first round. You don't like just the idea of a cornerback in the first round. I didn't love it. I was kind of hoping that that was it. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. Yeah. That's the
0: big thing. I did a Twitter poll.
1: Yeah. After they
0: picked, after they picked Devin Witherspoon. Yeah. And I asked Seahawk fans. I got about two thousand responses. Jalen Carter. Devin Witherspoon or somebody else at five. What's your choice? Mm-hmm. And Jalen Carter got like 52%. Mm, yeah. Witherspoon got like 28 or 30%. And then everybody else got the remaining of the vote. So you would not be in the minority right. if you told me that you're disappointed they did not draft Jalen Carter.
1: But I would have been more disappointed if they would have drafted somebody on offense first. So I'm just oh. glad they helped the defense. So it's not like a complete miss for me. I'm okay. not bummed out about okay, it. What else? Let's help the D.
0: So you were miffed.
1: No, that's too strong. I don't know if I'm miffed. Maybe they know something about Jalen Carter. We don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe there's something there behind well, well, the scenes. Well, but. let me
0: let me before you go on with your other thoughts. Let me ask you this: You pick. A cornerback, and they don't pick cornerbacks high in draft. They don't have they have a long history, fourteen years yeah. of not picking cornerbacks high in draft. They they'd rather pick the Tariq Woolens, Richard Shermans, and the diamonds yeah. in the rough in the fifth and sixth round, and then make them into stars. But when you pick a cornerback at number five overall, and he's the number one cornerback of the draft, right? What are they telling us about their view of that guy? Right. They are telling us. They are telling us that they believe that that guy's not going to just be good. The fifth overall pick, a cornerback, number one cornerback in the class, it's not even good enough that they're just good. Yeah. Because I don't. Th- you don't pick a cornerback if you think he's going to be good, if you think he's going to be solid, if you think he's going to be around for a while. No, that's not good enough. That's good enough for like 20 or 25 or 30. That's right. At five? Yeah. They're telling us we think Devin Witherspoon is going to be an all pro. Hmm. We think he's going to be one of the great... Corners we've ever had here in Seattle. And that's not hyperbole. That's what you say when you pick the yep. top cornerback at number five in the draft. Now, if they are right on their scouting, and when I go through my spiel, I'm going to say, I'm not scouting any of these guys. I'm not telling you whether any of these guys were good picks. I'll talk about the philosophy of what they did. I'll right. give you my opinion after yours. But if he is that, and you put him next to Tariq Woolen for the next eight years yeah screw the defensive tackle when <laughs> teams are trying to throw for 6,000 yards every year in the NFL these days right. it's nice to have a pair like that you're talking about potentially the best cornerback duo best young cornerback duo in the NFL if they're right about Devin Witherspoon and I don't know if they are or they're not yeah but that's what they're saying by picking the number one corner at number five it's a good point okay no
1: fair okay. point okay yeah, I mean it sounds like that you think that you're a little more excited about it right now than I think a lot of people. Is that right? I mean like when you saw the pick, were you like, woo, let's go, or were you like, I don't know. What was your I, what was your reaction? I really like it. You do? I really
0: like it. Okay. I really like it for a few reasons, but I don't want to jump into those reasons until you finish with uh, any other thoughts that you might have had. You liked you like the Ohio State. You like the fact that they took a wide. They also got the number one wide receiver in the draft. How often does the same team, same NFL team, get the number one corner and get the number one receiver yeah. in the same draft? That's impressive. Those two are going to battle at practice, too. Yes. They, well, well, let's go. <laughs> I <think> the, Theoretically. <laughs> I think the wide receiver is going to play the slot, which we can talk a little bit about. Okay. And the cornerback is going to be on the outside. But, yes, they picked an Ohio State wide receiver.
1: So do you have the same theory on that as you do – the corner like what are they telling us like we there's no way we could let this cat slip is that what they're saying
0: Mm, not as much because it's 20 okay it's 20 overall not number five but uh i don't mind the pick at all again i'll get there i'll get there i'll get there anything else how about the running back that's the most controversial thing in seahawks land in 12s land the fact that they took a running back at number like 50 52 52 overall right for the second straight year they took a second round running back last year named kenneth walker worked out okay
1: yeah but you need another one let's go back and look at the history of the tailback position after marshawn oh okay i don't have them all in front of me but (laughs) top of my head chris carson looked like the real deal late late round pick couldn't stay healthy the late
0: late round
1: pick Yep. that that Pete carroll loved penny penny very high pick, I think even first round, first or second round. Yeah, couldn't stay healthy. Right, they've had a history. And then who was the one that we can? His C. name prosize Well, no. a, another one, but no, the one that took over like right after Marshawn, and he looked like the real deal. He, we, we've brought him up before, Davis, Mike Davis. Nah, no, no, and we can't, no. never can come up with his name. But he was kind of
0: shorter. Yeah, Lou
1: Uh, not, no, Rawls, L- Rawls. <laughs> not Lou Rawls. <laughs>
0: You'll never find. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> as long as
0: you live. Oh my God. Someone who cares about Jesus, you the way I do.
1: I love Lou Rawls. Timely reference. Boy Lou Rawls. oh boy, do no, I love Lou Rawls. Thomas Rawls. Thomas
0: Rawls. That <laughs> guy looked, I, I looked like. call him Lou. He
1: looks so legit. Lou. Lou. Yeah. He looks so legit. No, he couldn't. Did. He never looked. Go like back and watch. He no, looks really never. good. He no, he's a little guy that.
0: Flash for ran a second. with pa- maybe,
1: stop but he flashed. How about the, the guy they drafted healthy. in
0: the second round from Texas A and M, Michael? Oh yeah, Christine Kristen Michael, not Christine. No, I think
1: it was pronounced Christ. Christine, no, Kristen, Mike. It was Kristen. Yeah, okay. Le- leave the guy mode. I, I, I wouldn't want to get stop that wrong. Call him Christine. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they can't find. They they can't.
5: What so is who that? knows how long they're so, going to stay so healthy? Tell me,
0: what does that make? What does that mean that you think about Zach Charbonnet? That have a nice Charbonnet. Is
1: my, you wouldn't know a Chardonnay if, no, you, if it no. was lined up in front of you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Um, I think it says that yes, Kenneth Walker, Ken Walker had a great year. Yeah, but we can't for whatever reason we can't keep a tailback healthy, so it can't hurt to maybe get a little oh, I depth. See. I see. Okay, I so think. you like the pick? You're. It's a controver- It's a very controversial. It is. Yes, very controversial. Now, ha- had they not taken a defensive end before that, yeah, I would have been maybe went offense. I would have been pretty. Derek bummed. Hall out of. Auburn, me, one of the one of the SEC's defensive right.
0: player, a defensive end, not an interior defensive line. Fine, lineup, which he's on need. the D line. All like, right, just okay. give me some more defensive All right, help. So, so it does it sound like you got? Did you like Olu Olu with Timmy?
1: Yes, I did. One of my the, favorite The Michigan players. center that I yes. hope is going to be the starting center <laughs> opening day. Hey, where did your boy go? I forgot to look. Your, where much uh, boy? Your center that you wanted. That's yeah, a very
0: sensitive subject. Oh, it is. Yeah, because that that involves Zach Charbonnet. Oh. He wait. He was still there. Yeah. Oh. Is that shit? You want to, you want me to re-rack and Can start all over? Can we dump the last five
1: minutes <laughs> that I just talked
0: about? <laughs> I'm not. No. But you're acting like I know about this John Michael Schmitz. I'm telling you, I'm not saying anything about whether these guys are any good. Right. Don't start telling me like, oh, you loved your. I just wanted the best center in the well, draft. Okay.
1: I think we all get that. I yeah. don't. I can't speak about his hips. All right. <laughs> no, you cannot. God, his hips. By the way, my favorite thing I ever saw. You remember Olin Crutes? No, <laughs> one, of He's it, on one of the things been on this show. One of the things that said it his scouting report. I've said it before, but it yes. makes me may have overdone the weightlifting. <laughs> is anyone ever gonna look at you and say, Mitch, you gotta slow down on the old weights? There, you're getting a little too muscular. I mean, how much do you have to lift, and how big do you have to be for someone to say that in the NFL? Nose lifts. Jeez. I've had a few nose lifts. <laughs> you hold the record. I think. Oh yes.
0: boy! All right, I like what they did overall. Overall, I'm gonna applaud John Schneider and Pete Carroll, which if anybody who's listened to me over the years, I'm very happy to take shots at John Schneider. Yeah. I in fact, I kind of enjoy taking sh- shots at John Schneider. It feels like you do a bit. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna applaud what they did in this draft because I think Phyllis not perfect. There are things that they did that I preferred they did something different. Again, this is not this is not an editorial about the actual players and scouting the players. I'm not gonna do that. But from from just a philosophical standpoint, I like what they did. Okay. I really do, especially the first two rounds. Now, I'll come back to Charbonnet in a minute. Okay. But in terms of cornerback, wide receiver, outside linebacker slash edge rusher uh-huh. in the first three, and no Jalen Carter and no big body defensive tackle, which is what they really need, I don't have that big of a problem. I like what they did. Okay, I don't know that I like Charbonnet, but I'll tell you why that I like what they did. Two reasons. Number one, I don't agree with what a lot of people were saying about the Seahawks in total coming into the draft. Playoff team, playoff caliber team, obviously very close. They're not in a rebuilding. They're really a couple of players away from competing with the San Francisco 49ers. There was a lot of that being said and mm. written about the Seahawks. And I just... And one of the reasons I like what they did is I don't agree with that. Yes, they were a playoff team a year ago. But let's dive a little deeper into that. Okay. Were they a good playoff team a year ago? What were they in their last 10 games? Yeah, they had a pretty big slide. They were 3-7 and seven in their last okay. 10 games. They, they have a roster that I look at and I see lots of holes. I don't see a team that's close. And for that reason... I applaud what they did in the draft. They went out and they got some guys that are going to help them, that are going to make them better. And they didn't zone in on what clearly was the biggest need, which was kind of up the middle on defense. The big guys in the middle. They didn't jump for those guys. They went ahead and just addressed other parts of their team because they saw better football players on the board, which I like. Because I I don't think they're close. I don't think they're that close. They go out and get a shutdown corner. Yeah, is what they're sell- telling us. They got Mike Jackson was playing corner opposite of Tariq Woolen. Right. Yeah. He's just a dude. Yeah. He's a a journeyman dude that does nothing for me. I like they went out and got a shutdown corner opposite of Tariq Woolen. They go out and get a wide receiver. How many times have I bitched and whined about who's the third wide receiver yeah. and what happens if one of these guys if. Metcalf or Lockett get heard, and you want a three-wide receiver set, and how tired I am with D. Eskridge. Who who has bitched and moaned about that more than me? I like the fact that they went out and got the number one wide receiver in the draft to put right in the slot and compliment those other two guys. They needed that. They are a better football team for that. I don't know anything about Derek Hall except for what I read and what I watch on video. If they got a guy who can get to the quarterback, who can rush the quarterback – with the, the sixth pick of the second round, I'm all for that. The Charbonnet pick that a lot of people can't stand. You're going to hear Danny O'Neill on this show mm-hmm. rip the Zach Charbonnet pick. There okay. are a lot of Seahawks fans who think this is a an absolute terrible pick. I am not there. Would I have preferred them to not pick Charbonnet and gone in a different direction? Yes. Slight preference. Okay because at the end of the day they need another running back. What Kenneth Walker looks like to me is a really explosive breakaway running back threat who can't be relied upon 20 carries a game every single game in and game mm. out. He looks like a guy that will wear down, who will get hurt and you need you need a one A to him. And yeah. if they think Zach Charbonnet is that one A, I'm okay with it. Not what I would have preferred, and I'll tell you why here in a second, but I am okay with it. If you got a guy who can come in on third down and catch the ball out of the backfield, if Zach Charbonnet can catch a freaking screen pass, God willing, mm-hmm. God open.
1: Yeah, they don't throw him, but yes, he can catch him.
0: I'm okay with it. Okay, I can see where that was something that makes your team better. The reason that I would have preferred someone else there is I can't help but wonder what they could have gotten with that pick.
1: Right. Which is probably what everybody's doing, right? Right. Going and looking to see who is. Right. Yeah.
0: So they pick him 52nd overall. That's the 21st pick of the second round. Yeah. Guys that get picked 52nd overall, if you do your job, are
1: starters. They should start. I agree.
0: If you tell me that they picked Zach Charbonnet when they could have gotten their opening day starting center.
1: hmm yeah.
0: If you tell me they picked Zach Charbonnet when they could have gotten their opening day starting right guard that could have beaten out Phil Haynes, if you tell me they picked Zach Charbonnet when they could have gotten a defensive tackle that would have immediately been in the rotation, the six-man, seven-man yeah. defensive tackle rotation and made them better from a beef standpoint on the defensive line, if you told me they picked Zach Charbonnet when they could have gotten a linebacker, a middle linebacker of the future that could be the heir apparent to Bobby Wagner, who probably doesn't have a lot of time left.
1: Mm
4: -hmm.
0: There are concerns that I have that they could have helped themselves more at 52, and that's why I slightly lean on the I wish they would have gone in a different direction on that
1: pick. Who's the backup running back? I can't even think. Who's DJ Dallas? Oh, that's right, DJ Dallas. What does he do for you? I kind of like D.J. Dallas. I kind of like D.J. Dallas I as think well. he's
0: probably better a special teams guy and not really a running back in right. the NFL. Is he a 25 that's carry guy no, no, in the no, NFL? That, and that's no. clearly what right. they think of him because if they didn't think that of him, they wouldn't have drafted this guy.
1: Year after year after year, we have to watch the tailback go down. Every year it feels like a tail running back goes down. Oh, that was fun. Here comes D.J. Dallas and Travis Homer yeah. and the whole thing. Let me throw a wrinkle
0: at you which would make 52 even feel worse. Okay. If it happens. You mentioned Chris Carson. I think they got Chris Carson, if I'm not wrong, in the last round of the draft. Maybe the sixth round. Sixth or seventh round from Chris Carson, if we could only look it up.
1: If there was only a way. If there was only a way to look it up. See if you can put some words together while I'm doing it.
0: Do you know who they picked in the seventh round this this time around? I haven't. Do you know who their last pick was for the Seahawks in the seventh round? Running back? Kenny McIntosh, a running back out of the University of Georgia. Who was, I'm here to tell you, a damn good running back in college. Okay, when when you start picking guys from Ohio State and Georgia, I may not be willing to analyze Jackson Smith and Jigba's game and his hips. Yeah. And I might be not be ready to analyze Kenny McIntosh and how low to the ground he runs and his shiftiness and, and all that. But when you start talking about Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia guys, I've seen them play. That's right. I saw Kenny McIntosh play. I remember Kenny Ma- He was a hell of a college running back. Yeah. Now, from what I'm told, he was a bust in the combines. Huh. And his workouts at like the pro day were no good either. And he's his stock just plummeted. Like he had bad workouts and bad combines. That's what they say about him. And that's why he's available in the seventh round. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens if, not unlike Chris Carson, he's a real find in the seventh round and he bounces back from his bad workouts to be the player that we watched on the field with the best team in country in the country in the Georgia Bulldogs? Let's say he becomes a clear, exciting NFL running back, and he could be one A to <laughs> Kenneth Walker. Right. Now, how do you feel right. about Zach Charbonnet uh, at number fifty two? Yeah. I hate it all of a sudden. <laughs> and I don't know that Kenny McIntosh can rebound and become what I'm talking about, but right. he was a really productive running back in college. I mean, you like
1: your chances with a guy who started at Georgia. A pretty and good program. excelled and, and ran over people. <laughs> right. yes. I mean, you like and your, around people and yeah. caught
0: balls out of the backfield. You take yes. your chances with a guy yes. like that no matter
1: what. Yes. By the so, way, Chris Carson, seventh round pick. Seventh round pick. Yep, there you go. So...
0: The Zach Charbonnet thing is going to is gonna live as the most controversial moment of the Seahawks draft. That and Jalen Carter. Do you the really? decision to, to yeah. pass on Jalen Carter to let him go somewhere else when you could have had him at five.
1: The Eagles said, eh, we don't mind. Come on in. <laughs> I mean, it's like he was going to go it to somebody. I, yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. just, it's funny how that works. How some teams are like, oh, I don't know. We got to be careful. Other teams are like, I don't give a shit. Just come on in. It's weird how that works. What do you think? Prediction. Jalen Carter. All pro? No. Bus? No. Decent player? I, I don't think he's going to live up to the hype. Okay. Just a gut. Even
0: though I really wanted him, like, five months ago, right. I was, like, on the Jalen Carter, Will Same. Anderson bandwagon. There's something about him that just makes me think hmm. he's going to get himself out of shape or he, that he'll be an okay player but not a great player. But I don't know. I have I have absolutely no idea. Now, the other reason, I, I said that there was two reasons why I liked philosophically what John Schneider did. I gave you the one reason, which is I don't think they're as close as everybody else thinks. I yeah. think they had holes around the roster and I really think they improved. I really like what they did. I think they improved okay. dramatically pre from pre-draft. The other reason I like what he did is because the need that they have, defensive tackles, let's talk about defensive tackles. Okay, Yeah, there's Aaron Donalds out there and there's Fletcher Cox's out there and there are high pedigree, high endemic and sue. There are guys that were defensive tackles and drafted high in the first round and have become superstars with big-time pedigree. Let's call it pedigree, okay? Yeah, 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 But I ask you this, and I may be wrong about this. What position on the field, not including punter, kicker, and long snapper, what position offensively or defensively on the field would you find more kind of non-pedigree like journeymen, just dudes out there playing on playoff contending and Super Bowl contending teams. Would it be quarterback? Right. Would it be wide receiver? No. Would it be edge rushers? No. Would it be left tackles? No. All those guys, pedigree, pedigree, pedigree. Would it be corners? No. Middle linebacker. I mean, probably not middle linebacker, pedigree. Where do you find just the big dudes that were like sixth round draft choices and played on like four different teams? That's right. Yeah. And then you bring them in and they're just serviceable and they're okay. Yep. Where do you find that it's defensive true. tackle? Yeah, you put together the fact that I I think the Seahawks are more of a rebuilding team than anybody else thinks, and the fact that I think defensive tackle you never want to stretch for defensive tackle because you can just go get Al Woods again.
1: The Al Woods is of the world, yeah.
0: Brian Monet's, I don't know, whoever these right. guys yeah, are. Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
1: No, I like it. So that's why I kind of like what they did philosophically. I'm just, do, do you remember Charbonnet at UCLA? I mean, yes. You, you watch Husky Games. Yes. And it was he? Yes, he's dynamite. So that, that name jumped out. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Again, without talking about his hips. Right. <laughs> yes. And how low to the ground he runs. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, from my eye, as just a college football fan, watching UCLA, he was a stud. Okay. He was an absolute stud. Watching the Seahawks against the Rams the past couple years and watching Jalen Ramsey out there having great games makes me a little more excited for this if two he, corners. You, two corners. I mean, yeah, if if this Witherspoon, if he can be like that, I mean Jalen Ramsey would affect games. Against the Seahawks, it would torture the shit out of me. But having that corner is yeah. that could be. Big and I time. think
0: Witherspoon was drafted higher than Ramsey was. Ramsey mm. was a first-round draft choice and a pretty high one, I think. But I don't remember him being in the top, top. five. This guy's a top-five pick. Well, that's a great question. This is Deion Sanders, man. Right? When, where was Deion drafted? I was just going to ask you. This like, is this is a. And have you watched him hit? He's like a little guy who comes yeah. up and it pop you right in the face, right in the schnoz.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pete Carroll loves those guys. You got to be able way, to stop. By the run. way,
0: before we get to the uh, to the interview segments and then the other stuff segment, the Russell Wilson trade is
1: now complete. I, someone sent that out on Twitter. I saw exactly saw what it? it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to go over oh, it? On of course. That? No. Yeah, let's go. Denver got Russell Wilson. They did. Denver got
0: Iuoma Ozarike, mm-hmm. a fourth round pick. And Seattle got the following in the in the in the transaction: Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Charles Cross, the left tackle, Boye Mafe on the edge, Tyreek Smith on the edge, Devin Witherspoon, Derek Hall, and the better quarterback of the two, Geno Smith. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Uh, Uh, It's over. That's it. Nothing to root for anymore. Now Russell will bounce back and have an oh actually there is. Oh, there is.
0: Okay. I got news on that front. Go on. The Seahawks traded their third round pick on Saturday to, or on I guess it would have been on Friday to the Denver Broncos. Oh boy. For there, I believe, fourth round pick and a third rounder next year, which means <laughs> oh, the no. worse the Denver finishes next year. <laughs> the better that third rounder
1: becomes. All right, let's, let's go. go. Oh, I'm back. Let's go.
0: <laughs> Three interview segments and then the other stuff. Zeke's Pizza has a new awesome app, which has made everyone's lives who order pizza better. Zeke's Pizza has new locations even outside of Washington State in Idaho. President Dan Black rejoins us on Mitch Unfiltered. Tell us more
4: about Eagle Idaho, Dan. Yeah, Mitch. Eagle's been fun so far. It's opened with a bang down there. It's been fun having some unfiltered listeners check in from down there. We had, we had we had one guy tell us that we were out of Hop Tropic on Twitter. And so I had to buy him a Hop Tropic the other night, which was fun. And he checked back in on Twitter. So that was, it's, it's the vast reach of Mitch Unfiltered is, you know, making its way down there. What you don't realize is, is that you weren't
0: even out of Hop Tropic. He was just trying to get a free beer. That's what Mitch Unfiltered listeners are all about, Dan.
4: <laughs> hey, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> hey. hey It worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I count 25 restaurants, now two states, and I know Oregon is next. It's amazing how the footprint has grown, Dan. I know I've asked you this before. Was this the master plan way back when,
4: or did something change for you and your partners along the way? Well, it wasn't the master plan. When we started, you know, our founders, Doug and Tom, they basically wanted to live the ultimate Northwest lifestyle. They liked to windsurf and ski big mountain powder, and so they realized they were going to have to own their own business to do it. They're food guys and you know at the time there wasn't any really great pizza in Seattle and so filled the market need and weren't doing much other than wanting to be small business owners and but it became apparent relatively early on that we kind of embodied the Northwest values and our roots were here and it was pretty clear we were the Northwest pizza place pretty early on and so. We realized that at the very least could be Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And it's kind of fun, even though that vision's been around for a while, to kind of start to have it be realized geographically now. And what's the Black family ordering now that
0: the weather is going to change, we hope, someday? And and shine the spotlight on some beer for us.
4: Yeah, you know, summer rolls around. We tend to get a little bit lighter on the pizza, so we end up going doing some veggie stuff like Super Marg and Quentin Florentino are good. I mean... We always order a lot of Wood Butcher and Cherry Bomb and Puget Pound are the favorites, but the veggie stuff kind of comes into play. And then the beer Mm -hmm. I'm excited for this summer is we're going to do a re-rack of a popular one we did with Fremont Brewing last summer, Uh, Z-Side Frozen IPA, a nice hoppy but light beer that's great for summer. And so... Not quite sure what date that's going to release, but it'll be a good summer drinker, and that's what I'll be keen on.
0: You got to download the brand new Zeke's Pizza app. It's better than ever. It is simple to get started and to order your pizza, your beer, right to your door. We love Zeke's Pizza. They've been an incredible sponsor and partner of Mitch Unfiltered, and they're homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered.
3: That's what Brett's saying. That's not reviewable. Oh, oh
0: Dr. This is, that was a shellacking of Sean Shivers. And did I mention something about Witherspoon? Special edition Seahawks no table. The boys are back on this episode 237. Brady Anderson, Joe Fan in Las Vegas, reacting to the NFL draft and what the Seahawks did or didn't do. They went into the draft,
6: Joe with 10 picks. They came out of the draft with 10 picks. How'd they do, Joe Fan? I think they did well, and I think that seems to be the common sentiment wherever you're looking in terms of you know draft grades analysis. I think everyone believes the Seahawks did very well. You know, this is the second straight year where you know there wasn't really anything cute about their draft or or, or seemingly trying to outsmart the board. They took best players available. They checked important boxes of areas of need. So I think they they crushed it on day one. You know, certainly whether or not they were going to take Jalen Carter, I think was the big question and they ultimately decided to pass on him, which I think is very telling given how much confidence they have in their building and in their culture and in their program. Uh, Maybe some Malik McDowell hangover there of not wanting to even risk it, which I totally understand. For day three, you know, you got the interior defensive lineman, you got the guard, you got the center, but those are all round four and five picks. And what are those players ultimately going to be? A lot of times you get what you pay for. and so. Um, they, they got guys, but are they guys who could ultimately start for this team? I still think there are question marks surrounding this roster just because you don't know how these day three guys are going to be able to perform in the NFL. But when you look at the to-do list, it seems like they accomplished all of it.
0: Brady, you were around the place. You were around the Seahawks for uh, for the last many days. Your take on what happened over those three days?
7: Yeah, they they did really well. I can't quite say that they did a great job just because the big question still remains is, do you have enough on defense uh, to close the gap between them and the 49ers? And as we all saw last year in the three losses that they had by a combined, you know, whatever amount of points that was, there's a pretty big gap there, particularly in the front seven of their defense. And so I really like what they did in the first round. I Guessed that they would take Jalen Carter, but realizing that that would be a very, um, you know, polarizing player inside their building. And ultimately, they just weren't comfortable with him. I do think that they had a lot of support for that pick, and some people thinking that they could make that work, but uh, enough people and ultimately the top decision maker thinking that uh, they couldn't do that. And so, I think a big theme of their draft was that they were not going to make their primary need the driving force in their decisions. And you saw that with Devin Witherspoon with the fifth overall pick. Cornerback was to some degree a need, but that's that's not even a secondary need for them with what they had there. So that was all about best player available, you know, a number three wide receiver, a need, but not by any means their most pressing need that is generally the right strategy to take because when you're drafting just for need and trying to fill your biggest need you can make mistakes and that's how you end up with lj collier in the first round that was exactly what they did in 2019 and they got burned by it so the strategy that they took in going best player and not pressing guy not forcing guys up their board to fill big needs is generally the right strategy but that said They've still got this big question mark up front. I know they took the two you know, interior defensive linemen with Cameron Young and uh, Mike Morris. But as Joe said, you know, there's a question of how ready is a guy going to be? How capable is he going to be of stepping in on day one and playing when you're talking about a fourth and fifth round pick?
0: Brady, when asked about trading down from number five, Schneider said something like there are two guys that if available would eliminate that. I'll be on the record. I don't believe that to be true. But let's pretend he's telling the truth. Witherspoon and who? Will Anderson, Jr. So no quarterbacks? No. So if Bryce Young were available, Bryce Young were available at number five, they would have looked to trade down i think he's
7: probably saying that knowing that i think the entire nfl and certainly he and and the rest other gms knew that bryce young was going number one overall so he may have been eliminating him from that conversation and, and thinking that the draft really started with the second overall pick but no i i think will anderson was the other guy i'm pretty confident in saying that and i think that once once houston took cj stroud Uh, At number two, I think that there there was probably some thought in that room that hey, maybe Will Anderson Jr. could fall to them. Maybe the dream scenario could actually happen. Figuring that another team would be trading up uh, with Arizona, I I think they they had a good sense, as did everybody in the mock draft community, that Arizona would be trading back. But Everybody thought that that would be a team trading up for a quarterback. Of course, it was Houston that just took its quarterback at number two. So the Will Anderson dream was alive momentarily, and then it closed just like that.
0: Joe, we're not privy to what the Seahawks and all the other NFL teams know about Jalen Carter. We only know what's been reported. So maybe my question to you is an unfair one. I did a Twitter poll. I'll ring the bell, and you'll hear the bell, Joe, on Clean Feed. I did a Twitter poll, Witherspoon, after they drafted Witherspoon. Witherspoon, Carter, or someone else? And Carter won the poll on Twitter with Seahawks fans going away. Would you have
6: taken Carter or would you have taken Witherspoon based on what you know? I trust the Seahawks' decision to pass on him is I think the best way I can put it. Um, If they weren't confident in taking him and what they gleaned from his pre-draft process and the time they spent with him, I just have a hard time saying that they were foolish to do so now if it turns out great in philadelphia awesome but i don't think i I won't go back revisionist history and say they made a huge mistake because he went what nine for a reason yeah like i I just have a hard time losing sleep over the seahawks not wanting to go that direction they had the fifth overall pick you need some safety there like ability to feel relatively sure in what's an inexact science that this guy is going to be a factor for you so yeah, I, I don't fault the Seahawks you, at all. Joe, you
0: used the word factor. They picked the number one cornerback in a draft at the number five overall pick. How good does that guy have to be? Let's quantify that. To make that a good pick, I mean, number five overall top cornerback. When they draft a guy like that, that's a guy who needs to be an all-pro, as far as I'm concerned. Needs to. Yeah, be anytime a- you're drafting in the yeah. top
6: five, you're hoping you're taking a franchise cornerstone for the next ten years, where you're not even blinking about picking up his fifth-year option. You're probably giving him a contract even before that fifth year starts. That's how these go now. So, yeah, I mean, you're hoping that you you now have the best pair of corners in the nfl with tariq woolen and devin witherspoon
7: yeah and when you're picking that early the the mistakes are so they're magnified so much more because it's not like you know if you miss on a third round pick it's not negligible but it's a smaller signing bonus it's not a a hugely valuable pick when you miss in the top five and you're giving this guy whatever it is a 20 something million dollar signing bonus right off the bat eight million dollar average salary those misses can be really costly and i think that's why you have to draft the best guy available, and you can't just press a guy who fills a need. You know, there were other guys in there in addition to Jalen Carter. Tyree Wilson was another guy who would have filled a need. Now, there was a question about. Uh, whether or not he was an ideal scheme fit for their defense. I wonder if he was just a guy that they didn't think nearly as highly of scheme fit aside uh, as the rest of the NFL. And so you can't just draft a guy who you have a Mm -hmm. late first, second round grade on in the top 10 to fill a need. Now, Carter was, that was, I think, the the fascinating, most fascinating decision that they faced, one of two, because I think the second first round pick that they had, there was another fascinating decision there with what type of receiver they picked. But with Carter, they do so much homework on these guys. I think people Jaws would drop when they realized how deep they dig into these prospects and their background. In addition to that, they spent a lot of time with him. Brought him in for a visit. Uh, I'm sure that they were there at the pro day. I'm sure that they talked to him at the scouting combine. So I, I'm sort of with Joe. Like I, I would have liked to see them pick him because it would have made me look smart because I had picked Jalen <laughs> Carter in my mock draft. But for everything that I'm sure that they know about the guy and the family and just yeah. the history and the risk. It's hard to fault on them for passing. Him.
0: All right. So why don't we start with you, Brady, on the number 20 pick, the injigba pick, a wide receiver, the number one wide receiver to go, the first wide receiver to go. Whether he was the best wide receiver in the draft, I guess, is up for debate. Zay Flowers and some other guys went right after him, a Boston College more diminutive guy. What was going on in that room? What was first of all, they could have traded up. They could have traded down, gotten out of that pick. There didn't seem to be an interior defensive lineman available. That seemed right at that number. Number 20, because the next one to go was like down at 29 or 30 or 31. Speak of some of the things that may have been going on behind closed doors, Brady on 20.
7: Yeah. You saw three receivers go right after that. Uh, Zay flowers. I think Quentin Johnson and uh, Jordan Addison. And so, I wonder if that was if there was kind of a debate in the draft room just because you had, you know, different guy different style receivers there. And like Jackson Smith and Jigba, for as good as he is, and obviously he was the first receiver taken in this draft for a reason, he's not a burner. And some of those other guys were burners. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, ran a five, four, fours, low four fives, whatever it was. So you can certainly win with that. And he obviously he was a first-round pick, but that's not what you would consider a burner, you know, DK Metcalf, that's he's four, three, nine, Tyler Lockett's low four fours. So he is much quicker than he is fast. And he's really more of the possession type move the chains guy. And I would argue that that's what this receiver core needed a lot more than another deep threat speed guy on the outside. Think of how many times this offense uh, has been bogged down on third down. And you're thinking, my God, for as much talent as they have at receiver on the outside, they can't convert a third and five to save their life. Despite having Lockett and Metcalf and, uh, you know, name your other weapons in the backfield and at tight end. Mm-hmm. We've just seen this offense get bogged down in third down situations that they should be able to convert. Well, this is the perfect guy for that. He's a move the chains type of guy. And I just think that that skill set uh, was a lot better complement to what they already have than it, uh, Zay Flowers would have been, who's a four four two guy, more of a threat on the outside.
0: Well, you just... By the way, you just said they drafted more for need within the wide receiver group. There you go. They drafted more for need than maybe the best guy. So that could come back to haunt them, right? What they didn't want to do. They drafted for need.
7: Yeah, and, and here this is where the whole need versus uh, you know best player available conversation, there's a sort of deeper level of nuance to it because, yeah, you can have needs within You know, certain types of position groups. And I think that they, I think that I'm guessing that they thought that this type of receiver uh, was a bigger need for them. I don't know where they had Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison and, and JSN like ranked on their board, but this guy I think is just a better fit for what they have and what they didn't have.
0: And Joe, for guys like us, when three or four wide receivers go right after the Ohio State guy and Seattle takes the first guy, we're going to have fun now for the next, like, five or seven years watching exactly what Zay Flowers does, watching what exactly – and we're going to be comparing, hey, did they pick the wrong wide receiver at number 20 now? We, at least we have some fodder, right?
6: Certainly. <laughs> and I, I do think what's important is they didn't reach for Jackson Smith and Jigma. Like, it, it wasn't like, oh, my goodness, we, we thought this guy was going to go in the third round, and Seattle just took him the to first wide receiver. Where'd that come? You know, Pro Football Focus had him inside their top ten on their big board. This guy is is spe- heralded among the best in the class by every single person who talks NFL draft. So I do think they have some protection there. It's it, it might not work out. He might not be the best receiver in the class, and certainly we can discuss that. Mm-hmm. But again, it won't be with the with the notion of we knew at the time they got cute and they got risky and they decided they were good on these other guys who were rated much higher and, and took took jackson smith and jigba that's not the case here joe do you care that they didn't take a quarterback in the entire draft no i thought they would and i i still am not positive they wouldn't have that five had richardson slipped i think that was going to be even more so than passing on jalen carter i think passing on Anthony Richardson was going to keep John Schneider up at night forever until he knew exactly what Anthony Richardson was going to be. Just what my gut tells me, uh, given that he has never been able to draft a quarterback that high. And that was his opportunity to, and he could he, he could have gotten his potential Mahomes or Josh Allen or whomever. But other than that, you know, I think Hendon Hooker was the name that I was like, I think it would make sense, but it didn't happen. I don't think anyone should be up in arms about it. So mm-hmm. I'm surprised they didn't, but I don't, feel any type of way because of it.
7: Brady, did they ever get close from your information? You know, John Schneider said something afterwards about how that sort of implied that there was a spot or two in the draft that they could have if the right guy was there. And, and that's pro- that's not breaking news or anything because I'm sure that that's, that's probably what's kept them from doing it a lot. You know, like they've only drafted two quarterbacks in 14 years. That's not because they've gone into it thinking, yeah, we're just not going to take a quarterback this year. I think it's just all about the guy having to fall to them. And we talked about that sort of keeping them from taking defensive linemen earlier. I I think quarterback is probably the one position where that's probably the last position that they're going to press a guy where they're going to reach to fill that need just because of everything that comes with taking a quarterback and all that. And so um, he sort of said something that implied the way I took it was that he said, you know, three quarterbacks went right before they were going to draft. Now, I think a lot of people took that to mean, the top three, you know, one, two, and uh, four. I think he might have been talking about in the fifth round where, you know, before they had their first pick, I think there was three quarterbacks that went in the 12 picks right before them. One of them was uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson from uh, UCLA. And so I I kind of wonder if maybe he was saying that that was a spot where they would have been looking to do it if the right guy had not been taken before them.
0: Let's talk about the running back selection. Start with you, Brady. That was uh, much talked about in Seahawks Twitter and social media. And there's a lot of reaction to that because running backs don't get taken. The two were taken in the first round. The one was a shocker. Uh, from Detroit and now the Seahawks who already have Kenneth Walker they turn around and draft the kid from UCLA you know because they want to have a one-two punch and who knows Kenneth Walker does look like the guy while explosive to me like he's going to get banged up Uh, how much you can run him in a given game over a bunch of weeks talk about that decision.
7: Yeah, I'm not somebody who thinks that the second round is just a a crime against humanity to take a a running back that early. I I thought the Ken Walker pick was one of their best picks last year, and you saw it. He was arguably the offensive uh, rookie of the year, maybe should have been. It was a little high for me this year, knowing that you've already got your starting running back. And look, I realize that, as you said, you can't just get by with one frontline guy there. I mean, they only had... You know, entering the draft i think it was only uh ken walker the third and dj dallas on the roster so you knew it was going to be a position where they were going to have to add at least one if not two guys in addition to adding a, you know a few undrafted free agents it seemed a little high for me uh just knowing that you're drafting a guy who's going to be a backup in the second round but you know as we see this is not like you're drafting a backup center or a backup right guard positions that don't rotate it's a guy who you know is going to be a player for you and was right. a highly productive player I like that he is uh and I think you'll like this too Mitch the fact that he was one of the more productive guys in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield That's at running back guess. and so and, and the same with their seventh round pick uh Kenny McIntosh and so maybe just maybe Mitch maybe they might Throw Finally a <laughs> have a screen game. It's been one of the most inexplicable uh, things of their offense for the past ten years.
0: Don't tease uh, But maybe maybe now. Don't tease me. Joe, the people that are anti the running back in the second round for the Seahawks, I think what probably drove them a little crazy about that is there was this glaring need of the team up the middle front seven. You know, defensive tackle, you know, linebackers, Bobby Wagner's not young. And in their first three picks. They didn't address that. They went in different directions because they saw better players available. So now you're on the board late in the second round. You haven't gone up the middle defensively at all with your first three picks, and boom, you take a running back. I think the reaction would have been different had, let's say, they taken Jalen Carter or they had taken somebody with some big beef up the middle and addressed that situation. Then maybe people would have giving him a pass on the running back. I don't know. I'm just, I'm guessing on that.
6: I think that's probably fair, especially when you're seeing every single person just gush about what the Eagles have done and the rich get richer and the defensive line was already so dominant. And now they've got Jalen Carter. And so I think that there's something to that. Certainly. I think also you're looking at a potential Creed Humphrey situation with D. Eskridge. You know, you look at what came right after the 52nd pick, the bears took a defensive tackle. Gervin Dexter, Sr., uh, and then there were two centers at the end of this, the second round, John Michael Smith out of Minnesota and Juice Scruggs uh, out of Penn State. There was also a guard, Osiris Torrance, out of Florida. So those are options. Like those were opportunities to get starters on your offensive line before getting a second running back. And I think my thing is it, the pick makes sense. It's not worth losing sleep over i just think it's not a pick I'd, I'd look at and say oh money like i don't know how you celebrate getting a second running back before filling out starting roles in the trenches so uh, i do agree you have to have two guys but yeah running backs are fragile and there's there's nothing to say that he stays healthy either and has this long illustrious career so i it's, it was a fine pick Uh, I do think of of all the picks, there's a, a bigger opportunity cost there compared to what they did in the first round.
0: Brady, let's talk a little bit about
6: the two offensive
0: linemen. I can pronounce the right guard's name, or the guard's name, Anthony Bradford, LSU. That's pretty easy. Would you like to give us a lesson on the pronunciation of the Michigan, or is it too early? Too early in the game for me to ask for a pronunciation from brady henderson on the michigan center please
7: no i i think i got it now i'm gonna use the shortened version of oh, his first name no i want the full log version it's kind of the, like <laughs> U- U- ugo Amadi. remember ugo Amadi's yeah, first name was yeah. something way different yeah. than ugo but uh what are we olu, do? Olu, olu olu yeah olua timmy
0: olu olua olu timmy
7: yeah it's a lot now i think i'm getting that right but if and if i am it's a lot easier when you you know go with the abridged version of the first name but
0: uh yeah, Joe. Alua Alu, Timmy. Joe, they've got the uh, they've got the Gonzaga forwards name in there. Alua Timmy. Yeah, for the uh, for the uh, for the very shot. well
6: done, Brady. Uh, very, Thank you,
0: uh, Brady. Too early for me to ask. Are they walking out of the room? Are Are John Schneider and Pete Carroll walking out of the room thinking? All right, Bradford's going to start at right guard, and um, your man from Michigan is going to start at center.
7: Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, way too early. I mean, way too early. you know, if they had drafted your guy, John Michael Schmitz, or, or another guard, Osiris Torrance, in the second round, something like that, I, I think those guys would be a lot more viable options to really compete for starting roles. But, you know, you're talking about a fourth-round pick in Bradford and a fifth-round pick in So Evan Brown uh, and Lua Phil teammate. Haynes?
0: Evan Brown yeah. and Phil Haynes, yes? Yeah,
7: I, I, I think it would have taken some first round guy falling to them in the second round for Phil Haynes did not be a starter. I think that was always going to be a position where you're looking for a long-term guy there as opposed to a guy who's going to start right away center. I could have seen them take a guy in the second round who really would have pushed Devin Brown, but I just don't see that happening with a fifth round pick. Okay. He's more of a long-term guy for them.
0: And then Cameron Young, the defensive tackle. He's going to be one of how many, how many do they have right now? How many uh, bodies do they have right now?
7: They've got five guys on their roster who are going to be ready by week one. This is in terms of interior defensive linemen. Name so, them. Yeah. So obviously Draymond Jones, the big free agent addition, Jaron Reed, who they brought back in free agency, Miles Adams, uh, who played, it was sort of on the back end of that defensive line rotation last year. And then the two draft picks, Cameron Young and uh, Mike Morris. And so, you know, look, I realized they run a three, four. Uh, so you're talking about three interior defensive linemen, but it's not like those guys are out there every snap. Those are, you know, 300 pound guys that just can't play 60 snaps a game. You need a rotation of those guys of, you know, maybe five, maybe six of those guys. And so that's why the whole conversation has existed about how big of a need this is is because before the draft, they couldn't even play a football game. They, like if the season started today, which it doesn't, I know it's <laughs> stupid to even say that, but that you couldn't even, you couldn't even play a game. There's still more work to be done there. There's you know maybe some veteran guys that they're talking to. I know Pete Carroll uh, and John Schneider were asked about Al Woods and Puna Ford and sort of gave kind of lukewarm, Uh, responses on both of them. I don't think you're going to see them bring back Puna Ford from what I'm hearing. Al Woods may be in play if it's something close to the minimum, Uh, but I just don't think Puna Ford is, I just don't think they're anywhere near in agreement on a price. Where's Monet? Yeah, so he's the other guy that's on their roster, but he is coming off the serious knee injury and uh, from the sounds of it, he's not going to be ready by the start of next season and and it may even be well into the second half of the season by the time he's ready. So
0: Joe, that leaves you How concerned. The other thing they didn't do, really, I guess, maybe they did, is they didn't take really linebackers in this draft. I guess you call Derek Hall uh, a a linebacker in the 3-4 scheme. But uh, I don't know where Jordan Hill is in his recovery. Jordan Brooks. Sorry. I don't know where Jordan Brooks is in his recovery. I I don't know where Jordan Hill is, you know, where he is on the planet. Jordan Hill could be somewhere enjoying his life. Joe, how how concerned are we up the middle? We're back up the middle and stopping the run and getting some push on passing plays from the middle. I don't know what uh, Bobby Wagner has left. I mean, he had a good year in Los Angeles, but we all saw what he looked like the last year here in Seattle. He's a couple of years older or a year or, older now.
6: Yeah, I think the concern should be pretty moderate. You know, I, I don't think that they are – Markedly better against the run, at least on paper than they were a year ago. And even Derek Hall, you know, reading up about him, his, he's a pass rusher who at least on paper struggles against the run, you know, okay. You you needed guys to go get the quarterback, but that remains a concern and will be something that, you know, Seahawks fans probably don't give the team a bunch of patience for, you know, if they get gashed in the run in week one, then you're going to hear from people immediately. So yeah, I, I, again, I, I think of all the spots on the, on the roster, that would be the one that has the most legitimate concern.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's a special post-draft edition of the Seahawks No Table. My guy, Joe Fan in Las Vegas. Hang in there, Joe. Thanks for being back with us. Thanks, guys. Good to see you both. And there's Brady Henderson in the boat, having covered the, the draft gavel to gavel for ESPN.com. Thank you, Brady stem to
7: stern I think is the uh, <laughs> is the term you're looking for thank you good to talk to you guys
0: My man, J-Flo, Jordan Flowers. He runs the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. He's a jet setter, too. Legoland with the family. A Cavaliers game in Cleveland with Cross Country Mortgage. I hope you don't forget your mediocre friends here in Seattle, Jordan. Never, never. All (laughs) the jet setting, it's just puffery, Mitch. Just puffery. Oh,
5: (laughs) very good, Jordan.
0: Very good. Danny O'Neill will be very impressed. Good time to be a buyer in the Pacific Northwest, true or false?
5: Absolutely true. Great time to be a buyer right now. Uh, Buyers are not having to get into a lot of multiple offer situations and escalate like they were a year ago. They're coming to reasonable agreements with sellers, not having to waive all their conditions just to get considered. And they're able to get a lot of credits to help pay for closing costs or even take advantage of helping buy that rate down. And last week,
0: I understand you locked in a buyer with an interest rate, at least at the outset in the threes. People listening to this are going to say that's not humanly possible. True or false, Jordan
5: Flowers, and how? True. So, as referenced in the past, we are taking advantage of these temporary buy downs in the market. What we're doing is taking that seller credit and getting enough to offer the ability to temporarily buy down an interest rate from, say, the start rates are in the mid sixes, upper sixes, and get them starting at 3% the first year and elevates to four and then five and then the note rate. But with Within those first year or two, with rates will come down, they then can refinance into that long-term secured fixed rate. All
0: right. So, what am I paying attention to if I'm a buyer or seller? What numbers as they come out over the next weeks and months?
5: Yeah. uh, Two key markers to be watching is the CPI numbers coming out because the last year's CPI number will fall off, which it was a monster in March last year. If we get a lower reading this year, that will then be indicating inflation is coming down, which will be great for long-term mortgage-backed securities. And then keep an eye on the 10-year treasury. If we can get that 10-year treasury number down to about 3.2, 3.25, it's going to be an excellent time for anybody that has purchased in last year to look to refinance and lower that interest rate as well.
0: And if you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to lower that interest rate as well, as he says, you're going to call first Jordan Flowers and his team at Cross Country Mortgage phone number 425-890-2957. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered.
4: Unfiltered. who doesn't have a carry yet tonight, is now a tailback. Stroud, Watson, for the end zone, jump ball! Touchdown, are
0: you
3: kidding me? I came to the
0: line, the Mitch unfiltered line, I put my hands up, and I called an audible. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. 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 Uh, Danny O'Neill was moved from Huffery on like midweek, Wednesday or Thursday to the big show. Don't make me regret it, O'Neal. Don't make me regret it.
2: It almost already happened because I thought you were going to say when you came to the line of scrimmage, you looked out to the right and you're like, where's my flanker? <laughs> where's my flanker? Kind of, sort of,
0: but my <laughs> flanker. <laughs> Was t- taking a leak on the sidelines, and he ran in at the last second. So I'm okay. My <laughs> flanker's back on the this field.
1: This might be too much information. It wasn't a leak.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you very much. I like what they did. I like. I what grabbed did. my helmet and came running out. Though <laughs> <laughs> I liked what the Seahawks did. Did you like what the Seahawks did in the draft philosophically? I'm, I'm not asking you to analyze these players because you know about as much as I know about these players. Tell me philosophically how you think the Seahawks did over those three days. Great
2: for the first three
0: picks. Ah, we're going to the running back, aren't we? <laughs>
2: yes. Yes, we are. We're gonna pick on the running back. Go ahead. Yes. Okay, go ahead. I was surprised. I was surprised by the cornerback. Like that, I I just I thought it was a matter of settled precedent that Seattle didn't draft running uh, corners high. They just didn't do it so i was taken by surprise but i'm not against that pick i ha- i have no issues and going wide receiver i think that's tremendous value at the 20th pick to get the guy who was someone who a year earlier had been more highly regarded as a as a potential nfl prospect than two guys who were really successful in their rookie year looking at other guys that came out of ohio state i i think there's great value in that pick and even going going into the first pick of the the second round i'm like i I get it. I can, I can see, even though I think they're not addressing their main need, even though they're not really getting that sort of run stuffing, the beef up front, I I can understand all of it. Like they're going premium positions and then came the running back. And There's a part of me that really respects it. Like there's a part of me that really admires Seattle's defiance of <laughs> oh you think we take too many running backs huh of like we're really going to take we're for the second straight you. year we're going to use one of our two second round picks on a running back uh, there's part of me that admires that yes and then there's another part of me that thinks back are you familiar with the show The Wire I'm familiar with the fact that there is a show called The Wire I've never seen it it's my favorite television show ever really? and at the start of I believe it's the start of season 4. Two of the corner boys, two of the guys that that sell drugs on the corner who are they're not comic relief characters but they're they're kids. They're in their they're in their late teens, early 20s are having an argument and one of them points out that the other fellow has continued to contract infections through risky behavior. Oh. And describes it and says no matter how many times you get burnt, you keep doing the same. Uh. And that's kind of how I feel about Seattle and its running backs that this is the fourth time in 11 drafts that they've used a pick in the first two rounds, a premium pick on a running back. It's the fourth time it's tied with Detroit for the most of any team in the league. And out of all of that time, out of all of those resources that they've spent, what would you say that they've they've gotten out of it? Uh, Like a great one, great full season out of Rashad Penny's five years on the team. And a great year from Kenneth Walker. And now we're just going to go do that again. It doesn't make any sense to me. So why do you think they do it? Because they have a running back fetish. No, like they just, they're like, I think they go in each year with the plan of like Pete and John, like look deep. We're not doing it this year. We're not, we know we can't take another running back. And then the draft starts and they start like, yeah, but have you seen the way he carries the ball? And Pete's like, I like that hard ball runner. And John's like, well, you know, it's our identity and you need good running backs. And then they tear up all their plans. And all of a sudden they're picking a running back in round two again.
0: So you don't think they go into the draft saying if that kid from UCLA Slips oh, to a certain no, point.
2: I, we like. I, I really. We really I, like. No. Him. I do think. I do think that they go into the draft with that plan. I just think that they're they're willful about it. They're like, don't tell me how to run a team. This is how we build a team. This is how you get a running back. Strictly results based. Yeah. How would you justify using another another second round pick on a running back, given how those picks have turned out for this franchise previously?
0: Because do you do you really? view history of other guys and other drafts as a determining factor of what you do in a future
2: draft yes you do yeah absolutely when it comes to positional value i think you have to and i think you have to look at it and say why why do you use a top-end pick on on a specific position if there's any truth and i do think there is truth to positional value why do quarterbacks tend to go so high because of importance right Because of the importance of that position. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is, are you more likely to get a stud in the first round than you are in the seventh round? And with quarterbacks, as imprecise as that is, the answer is definitively yes, you are. The answer is not nearly so clear cut. When it comes to running backs, that's true on a general scale. It's true on a specific scale. Out of all the draft picks that Seattle spent on running backs, who was the best running back they've drafted? It's Chris Carson. He was a seventh round pick. See, you're not more likely to get a stud running back in the second round than you are necessarily in the fifth round. That's that's just something that's borne out over time. So I think you have to take history into account.
0: Well, I, I tend to agree with you on the pick. I don't know that I look at history like you do. I tend to be more simplistic because I'm a very simple man, Danny O'Neill. and I look (laughs) at the running back and if I don't like the choice of running back there, it's not because of how I value running backs in the NFL and it's not because of how I look at the history of the Seahawks drafting running backs high in the NFL. That's not the reason. I tend to just stay with, hey, at that point in the draft, what, 51, 52, something like that, Mm -hmm. you can get a defensive starter. You can get Your starting center. I'm so tired of watching centers, lightweight centers, let guys go by them. You could get your starting right guard. I mean, there was a guy at 51 or 52, I'm not sure who it is, probably two or three or four or five guys that you could have drafted right then and there, and they could have walked into your starting lineup and been a projected starter out of the gate. So that would be the reason more than... Look at your history of drafting running backs and look what running backs are on the league. It would be more about what they didn't take than what they did take, if that makes any kind of sense.
2: I believe the guy that was considered the top center in the draft, he I think there. he was still on he the board. He was available. That.
0: He was available. Don't ask.
2: John Jingle, Michael Sch- yeah. Schmitz. Yeah. Schlitzmolt, Liquor Bull, or
0: Beer. Or- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, he was there. John Michael Jingleheimer Schmitz. I think certainly there was a defensive tackle or two that would have been in your rotation, in your rotation on opening day. There was probably a guard that could have beaten out Phil Haynes for right guard. That was there. As you point out, there was definitely a center who would have been your opening day center and might have allowed you to move Evan Brown. If you think he's a better guard than center, I don't know, to to guard there were options there that would have been introduced, let's say introduced to the fans when they come running out, but they chose to go running back. So, if if there's a reason that I would have liked to him pass on the running back, would be that more than your explanation? It's fair.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that rationale. Okay, I just fixate on the running back. I know you do. like.
0: Last year you were on this show complaining about Kenneth Walker. Maybe you- it's a message to me that
2: like no matter what I say, like the more I complain, the more yeah. they're gonna do it. Which, like I said, yeah. I respect it. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of like when something that you love or like yes. does something that is chronically illogical, like you you begin to develop okay. a baseline respect of like, okay. That's just how they're going to do it. And there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to make them change. There's no amount of logic yeah. that I can apply, even though I think this is settled. Like, I would go so far as to say that this is settled statistical reality that they just disregard.
0: And after they drafted the running back, they kept yelling the word FUD, F-U-D, FUD, F-U-D. You know what that means? F U, no. Danny. Oh. <laughs> That's what they kept on yelling. Fud, fud. How about Jalen Carter? Where are you on the Jalen Carter pass? We're taking a pass on Jalen Carter after in the in the lead up to the draft, in the forty eight hours to the draft. If you followed all these draft nicks and the Mel Kuipers of the world, we went from oh my god during the football season. How do we get our hands on Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? How do we get our hands on Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? We went from football season rooting against the Denver Broncos every single week so that somehow they could get their hands on Will Anderson or Jalen Carter to Jalen Carter and the speed racing thing to Jalen Carter to the nine pounds overweight to nobody wants Jalen Carter anymore to yes,
2: the Seahawks do want Jalen Carter and they're going to pick him at number five. I was surprised. I I thought it lined up with the value that the, a position of need with a dynamic, potential game changing player. And I thought that they were going to say, we can manage, we can deal with some of the uncertainty there. I don't know if the decision is rooted in their off field assessment of his personality. Like, not, and I wouldn't even say just off field. You've brought it up before. How many plays does he play? how 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 often is he out there mm-hmm. and then the question of how is he going to fit in with our team and and I'll lump in all of the 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 outstanding how many games is he going to be available for if he does stupid stuff off the field it is concerning that he had was arrested for reckless driving a few months after he'd been cited for going 89 in a 45 like the, none of those are none of those are good things i don't know if it was more that or just like john looks at it and says we can get we can get defensive tackles without spending high-end draft picks or a lot of money because that's clearly how they approached it. The defensive lineman, they spent a lot of money on Draymond Jones is is a guy who he might play some inside, but he's mostly an edge player. Yeah. And the drafts, the guys that they drafted, the defensive lineman that they drafted high is an edge player and they drafted big guys late and, and they think they can get that. And I expect they're going to resign Puna Ford. I think that will probably happen.
0: Henderson says no. Oh really? Yeah. Brady Henderson says a lot more chance that they'll re-sign Woods than they'll re-sign Puna. He thinks Puna's done in Seattle.
2: A couple weeks ago, Quandre Diggs, who's kind of been a de facto reporter, like yeah. he's he's he's, he's disguised himself as a yeah. reporter on yeah. Twitter. Sometimes he's Adam Schefter, yeah, he made a reference. I think he had. I think it was big eyes emoji, and then Puna Ford. When I saw the big eyes, I was like, oh, he found out that his teammate's re-signing and then nothing happened after that. So I was doing this sort of conspiratorial math where i was like they uh, might even have an agreement and uh, they just told him we're not going to announce it until after the draft because we don't want to tip our hand we don't want to give any indication that we're less likely to take a defensive tackle we want people thinking in fact more that we're leaning in that direction so look brady's a established member of the no table an esteemed scribe <laughs> i will defer to him in all those senses he does um yeah I'm not going to get super excited about
0: it. But I I want to go back to something that you said
2: because it is something that I have
0: not only mentioned on a couple of podcasts, but this particular podcast, the whole defensive tackle thing. And maybe it it reeks of uh, a dang apostrophe column and some research because I'm just too lazy to do it. But when I think of defensive – and this is – My overall opinion, which I told Hotshot Scott at the beginning of this podcast, my overall opinion on what they did in the first two rounds, the running back is a little questionable to me, but essentially what they did in the first two rounds is I like it. Philosophically, I like it for two reasons. Number one, I don't view them as everyone else seems to hear, which is, oh, they're a playoff team, they're close. They're really good personnel-wise. They're they're just a couple of players away from catching San Francisco. They went to the playoffs last year. This is not a rebuilding team. Yeah, they went to the playoffs last year. They were also, I believe, 3-7 and in their last 10 games, something like that. One of the worst teams in the NFL. I look at this roster at the end of last year, and I see holes all over the place. And I – by the way – I include third wide receiver. That's a starting position in 2023 in the NFL. I include cornerback. I think Mike Jackson is just a dude, and you're trying in 2023 to defend the pass. I, I, I don't think they are as close or as good coming out of last year as the playoff thing indicates. So that's number one. That's the one of the reasons why I like what they did. And not gone after defensive tackles and whatever. Just get great football players. Guys you think are great football players. The number two reason is what you just said about defensive tackles. I believe if somebody did the research. Dang apostrophe. If somebody did the research and you looked at Super Bowl teams. Teams that won the Super Bowl. Teams that finished runner-up. Teams that were in championship games. And you looked and you did, a stati- you did an analysis of rosters. Where would you find journeymen? And you can't use, you can't use, you know, long snappers, punters, kickers. Journeymen. Where would journeymen be? Where would the most journeymen be on successful teams? Now, I know you would say, Danny, or somebody would say, what about Aaron Donald? Of course. There are outliers. I'm talking pedigree now. Pedigree. I think you would find a lot of defensive tackles playing in Super Bowls playing in playoff games that have no pedigree that are just dudes big sorry fat sorry dudes fifth you know fifth year guys that have been in two different places you know fifth round draft choice just dudes not n- with no pedigree i think you'd find that in defensive tackle more than you would find it in edge linebackers corners or even safeties or anywhere on the offense you'd find just dudes playing defensive tackle. So that's another reason why I, I'm not all hung up on the fact that they didn't go out and get pedigree defensive tackles.
2: Mitch, yes, you're 100% right. You're you don't 100% that. right about the positional value of a defensive tackle and how most defenses are built. And the other thing is that because you point to Aaron Donald. It's a really good example of, yeah, if you get a guy like that, but there are so few guys like that, that paying for the third best defensive tackle is not like paying for the third best defensive end. The third best defensive end is worth significantly more than the third best defensive tackle. Whereas your top defensive end might not be worth as much as Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald is such an outlier that you almost throw him out of the conversation. I would say and the reason why I was giggling is the second position that I would argue is very much like Run, that is running, running, running back.
0: back. <laughs> well, well, hold on.
2: Hold on a second. Hold on a second. But but you're right. And and you look at how Seattle's built the team. Maybe. And you yeah. w- even when Seattle's had great defenses, who have their defensive tackles been? Guys like Ataba Rubin. Tony McDaniel, like people that we didn't know from Adam right. when Seattle signed him, guys that they didn't sign to big budget contracts, guys that they brought in and, and, and developed. Puna Ford was an undrafted rookie free agent. Brian Monet, found there.
0: Al Woods. These guys, they go, they go to other – Jaron Reed. They just brought Jaron Reed back. Now, I know he was probably – he had a little bit of pedigree, Alabama second round or third or second round, but there's a guy that's he, been around the block – He was in Green Bay. He was in Kansas City. I mean, these are just guys.
2: They're just guys. 100%. Yeah. And I think that Seattle looks at it. I will will remark upon, and this always happens on the third day of the draft, is the people who are fixated on the draft will start talking about this is where you filled out your roster. And I always want to point out the number the frequency with which a guy drafted in the fifth or the sixth round becomes a starter at any point in their career, let alone makes an impact as a rookie. They're part of the pot. They're not someone that you're slotting in of like, he's a body type that answers this position. He's a potential answer. He's someone, he's mm, a he, He's a body you're like, adding to the pot. I don't like the sounds that of that
0: because what you're really telling me is that Anthony Bradford from LSU, the guard, and the, the Michigan center, who I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, that it's a long shot. I, I You know, I was kind of hoping they'd find a center, a starting center, and a starting right guard. Somebody that could beat out Phil Haynes and somebody that could beat out, I don't know, who's the starting center right now? Evan Brown. Joey Hunt, I think, is back. Joey? No. Yes, he is. Is he really? Yeah. Did he grow? No, he's my size. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love Joey Hunt. I, I want to make that very clear. I Why? love Joey Hunt. Why? What do you like about him? He's a really nice guy and he understands the offense. And I don't know if there's somebody that's done more on offensive line with less physical size than Joey Hunt. Okay. In today's NFL, the 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 fact that he is hung around, but I he's don't not big him. enough to I play don't, that I don't spot. want him.
0: I don't know whether they don't value centers. I mean, go back and look. I did I did this uh on Saturday, right before right before they drafted the center out of Michigan. Literally minutes, seconds before, I sent out a tweet that said they have drafted 123, exactly 123 college football players in their 14 years together in the NFL draft. And they had drafted two centers. Ethan Posick and Joey Hunt? Ethan Posick and Joey Hunt. And I think my tweet was, John Schneider, the general manager... Has drafted exactly two more centers than John Schneider from Dukes of Hazard has for the Seahawks over those fourteen years. So they either they either don't value centers, they don't evaluate centers very well. I don't know what it is about them and centers.
2: Typically, the least it's the least high paid of all of the positions on the offensive it's important. line. Important. They
0: call the signals. It is. They do all the changing at the line of scrimmage. They protect
2: uh, you right up the middle. They've always valued movement and the ability to move. But I would say you look at Max Unger. They made a mistake with Unger. They they undervalued Max Unger or thought he was closer to the end of his career than he actually was. Because when they traded him, they essentially traded him for a fourth round pick. And that was a mistake. Mm -hmm. They traded him because they were going to cut him. And... Max ended up playing for another few years. And while I think it would have been harder for him to continue playing in Seattle because of the way Seattle's offensive line and what the physical toll that that play takes as opposed to going to a pass-first offense like he did in, in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I I would I would say that, that they've... They have underestimated the importance of center, and it's had a negative impact. God, Justin Britt moved from tackle to guard to center, and then he stayed at center for a little while, and I don't know if he was ever great at center. No. So it's always been something that they've been fiddling with is what it seems like. And that's kind of the case with last year. They got another guy that was too small and couldn't, couldn't hold up. Like that was the center was a big problem on their offensive line last year.
0: He's Danny O'Neill of the dang apostrophe. The good news is you didn't have to deal with me for 10 straight days. When I called the audible and moved you from Thursday to the big show this week, the bad, the bad news is now you only get four days or five days
2: Without me, four days without me, a break. I'm ready to go on short rest. I'm not. I'm not one of these. I'm not one of these prima donnas that needs to needs to have a bullpen session in between starts. I'm ready to go. Okay. I, I do. I do want to know as the, as the manager is coming out to take the ball. Yeah. How how'd I do, Skip?
0: Ah, uh, you were good. You were solid. <laughs>
2: That's the most tepid solid ever. Uh, I feel like I walked a couple batters. I gave you some antsy moments and really didn't have the velocity you were looking
0: for. <laughs> I, I was kind of hopeful that you were gonna rag on the running back that they took in the last round, not just the running no, back. No, I
2: wanted them Danny. to do more of that. <laughs> I, I want it to be I want there to be an electric d- dog collar on Schneider where every time he thinks running back in the first two days of the draft, it jolts yeah. him.
0: What is it? Be- be- what does FUD mean, Danny? <laughs> f you danny <laughs> thank you danny we'll speak uh for the patrons this week more puffery ladies and gentlemen she's the director of financial planning at our mitch unfiltered partner evergreen golf call katie versio she's also my arch nemesis when it comes to financial trivia katie how are you how's everyone over at evergreen golf call
8: I'm doing well, Mitch, thanks for having me. Everybody's good over there. Our theme today is what? So today we're doing a market update. Okay, which brings
0: us to three questions. I typically go over three. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today, so I'm ready for question number one.
8: As I know we discussed quite a bit over the last few months, 2022 was the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio with both stocks and bonds down double digits. So true or false, in 2023, both stocks and bonds are up. Is that true or false? It's
0: absolutely true, Katie Versio.
8: That's right. It is true. So the market is off to a much better start this year, even though there's a lot more economic uncertainty. Mm -hmm. The stock market's up about 8% and bonds are up nearly 3%.
0: Very good. And I am up one for one, which screams at me quit Mitch quit right now and go out one for one but I'm not going to do it I'm going to press my luck what's question number two Katie
8: okay so number two is another true or false we'll see how you do with this one so the yield curve is currently inverted meaning that short term interest rates are higher than long term interest rates is that true or false
0: I'm gonna say
8: false Katie that's false false It's actually true. So I know it's it's counterintuitive. Typically, you think the longer time frame you have, the more interest you get. Mm -hmm. But it's actually the opposite in this environment. It's typically an indication of a recession and you actually get more interest for shorter time periods.
0: That's actually surprising. It leaves me one for two. I'm not quitting. I'm continuing to press my luck. I'm going two for three. What's question number three, Katie?
8: The 10-year Treasury currently pays an interest rate of 3.5%. So knowing what we talked about in number two, what do six-month Treasuries yield? So 10-year yields three and a half. Does a six-month Treasury yield 4%, 5%, or 6%? We
0: know more. Question is how much more. I'm going B. I'm going 5% for 667. I'm going 5% for two out of three today.
8: That's right. It is 5%. Yes, so it's an interesting environment where you only get three and a half percent for holding a position for 10 years, but you get 5% on the short term. So it's a really interesting environment with interest rates elevated at this level. We think now is a good time to lock in return. You can get better interest rates on money markets now. There's a lot more options for investors to park their cash than just a regular savings account.
0: It's an unusual time in the world the financial world and they are there for you evergreengk.com not only a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and part of the reason that we are possible on this podcast but just a terrific resource so check them out evergreengk.com And once again, it's great to be joined by John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions. Always a great sponsor, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys competition. John, how are
9: you? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on.
0: Another football season is in the books, and we know football season is synonymous with fireplaces and Fireside Home Solutions, but still some cold and damp months ahead,
9: John. Yep, there is definitely some cold, damp months ahead, and there's no better time to buy than these couple months. Uh, February seems to always have a little bit of rain and we're getting those cold weathers. Our our lead times are down. We want you to get those products into your home and keep you nice and cozy and warm. And also we have some great discounts coming. Soup to nuts. What's the time frame now? So right about two weeks. Installers are getting a little bit of our lead times down. So two weeks we can get that product right into your house and no better time than now.
0: Allow me, John, to ask you the question I asked our other partners. How was 2022 for Fireside? The good and the challenges. What would you say?
9: Uh, Oh, if I look back on that, you know, stock definitely being one of those big issues that we had. But again, we were blessed with just great customers and being able to get those fireplaces in and be able to stock products that we needed to and people being patient with us and uh, really thankful to have a great year this year.
0: So if you could snap your fingers and accomplish a few specific goals in 2023, besides your Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, what would they be for Fireside Home Solutions, John?
9: Five star service to all our customers, but most importantly is keep our lead times down. You know, we want to be able to help as many customers as we can out there. And lead times are important, you know, to get through customers, just like if you're at any kind of restaurant or anything, you want to be able to get to those customers as soon as possible. And like I said, I think stock will be better this coming year. We want to keep our lead times down so we can accomplish a lot next year.
0: I can genuinely say that Mitch Unfiltered would not be where we are four and a half years later without our terrific sponsor, John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, literally the title sponsor of every every audience contest that we do on the podcast so begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com
4: unfiltered Three takeaways A turnover a down it's a terrible punt now a
0: sack and there is life in this auburn program this time it's Derek hall with the sack Episode 237, Mitch Unfiltered rolls along with more reaction to the NFL draft. One of my favorite versions of Football Morning in America by Peter King is always the Monday post-draft edition. I remember Peter sitting in the Seahawks draft room with you the year that Mike Holmgren traded down and then grabbed Corin Robinson and Steve Hutchinson. Do you remember that? Do you
10: remember? Oh, yeah. I I have a great story about that one, actually. Something funny happened that week, okay? That week, my daughter, Mary Beth, was a, uh, a freshman in high school. And this was sort of early on in the softball season. Yeah. And she found out, like, on Thursday that she was a pitcher. And she was a freshman. She found out on Thursday that she was starting on Saturday against the number one ranked team in the state of New Jersey. Well, you know, I'm a dad who was Mary Beth's off-season catcher in pitching lessons for (laughs) seven years. If you think I'm going to miss that game, you're crazy. So I called Mike Holmgren and I said, hey, we were supposed to have dinner on Friday night. And he was going to basically lay out what their plans were and all that. And I called him and I said, Hey, I explained the situation to him. And he said, Hey, I'll just come in a little bit early and we can talk on Saturday morning because I was going to fly late Friday after the game. So that's exactly what he did. I'll be forever indebted to him uh, for, uh, you know, moving around his schedule a little bit so that I could see Mary Beth. And by the way, she lost 11, nothing,
6: but you
10: know, I mean, you know, I had to be there.
1: Uh,
0: so what have you noticed in these draft rooms over the years Peter are they all the same because we see the videos of teams celebrating after they make a pick or calling the picks it all looks the same to us
10: every everybody celebrates after they make the pick but I I have found I, I did a weird one last year yeah I did the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth round because the Ravens planned to have a bunch of fourth round picks. They actually had six of them because they needed to fill a lot of depth spots on their roster. And so this was a huge day for them. And I thought, how fun would this be to be in their room when that happens? So in the span of, I don't know, about 28 picks, I think they picked six times. But anyway, what was interesting about it and just take a mental picture of this: is John Harbaugh walking over to the place where the analytics people sat and asking them questions about players like Isaiah Likely, who they ended up picking a tight end from Coastal Carolina, and and about you know asking questions, walking around the room, asking scouts, asking. And I was impressed with the level of due diligence, which, you know, look, when you get to the fourth round, you're not guaranteed anything. So you have no idea who's going to be sitting there. So a lot of, a lot of stuff in later rounds sort of happens on the fly. You've got your draft board, but you want to make sure that, okay, this is our 14th tackle on our board. Do we really like him better than the 15th? So that kind of stuff happened. But Mitch, I'll tell you the one thing, that I think people don't really understand about draft rooms is that for the most part, these decisions have already been made before they walk in there. If such and such and such and such happens, like in the first round, which is most often when I'm around, if all these things happen, what are we going to do? It's not very frenetic. It's really a lot more businesslike than maybe some people would expect.
0: I haven't read the piece this year yet. Where were you this year? And uh, how fun was it? Any stories to tell, Peter?
10: Well, I was in the Raiders draft room for the first round on Thursday night. So you'll be able to read it and you'll enjoy it because you know what was fun about it, at least to me? You know, Mark Davis is in there and four or five times you could hear, you could see, well, my dad would be X or uh-huh. here's what he'd be thinking. And like at one point they still had Jalen Hyatt, the Tennessee receiver who runs really fast. You know, he runs like a four, three, five, and he lasted a long time, you know, until uh mid third round. And that really surprised me because on Thursday night, the Raiders had them high on the board, and if everything fell the right way in the second round, they would have taken him. But they, they had another player, Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, who they liked above all at that point. But the point that I'm going to make is, at one point, Mark Davis looks at Josh McDaniels and the GM, Dave Ziegler, and says, this is a fast guy, right? How fast is he? And McDaniels says, runs like the wind. And he just started laughing because it was clearly a question about receiver speed that Al Davis, son would ask, you know, and, and so you could tell, you could tell that he really wanted to take Jalen Hyatt, Uh, you know, once he, you know, he sort of got on this thing about boy, this guy looked great. This would be good, but they just didn't have a receiver need. And Mark Davis is not, overbearing in there. He's almost like, you know, let's talk this through. So he's, he's a good little resource for them, but his dad came up a lot. And there's a huge portrait of Al Davis right outside the draft room, along with all their other hall of fame players. And before the draft, I walked in with Dave Ziegler, the GM, and he goes, I get goosebumps just looking at this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's managing Al Davis's team now. And That fact isn't lost on him and Josh McDaniels.
0: You know, Peter, you bring up the owner, you bring up Davis. Every time you're in one of these rooms, the owner is inevitably there. Paul Allen was there when you and I were in Mike Holmgren's room. Do you notice any difference between how the owners behave outwardly in terms of their level of participation?
10: Well, let's go back to 2016. I was in the Dallas Cowboys room that year, (laughs) and Jerry Jones really wanted – Paxton Lynch. That was his guy. And that was the Cowboys really liked Paxton Lynch that year. But there were two people who didn't really love Paxton Lynch. That was the quarterback coach. Uh, no, Wade Wilson, Wade Wilson. And then the offensive coordinator, Scott Lenahan, they didn't really love him. They actually liked this other guy named Dak Prescott, but <laughs> they always go by their board. And so Jerry was moribund when they could not find someone in the bottom of the round to trade them the pick. And I remember Steven Jones, he was on the phone that night with John Schneider for a while, trying to get their pick and, and, and all that. But what, and I've told people this over the years, everybody thinks Jerry Jones controls everything. Jerry Jones could have said, Hey, listen, Throw in the three and let's just go get him, mm-hmm. you know, instead of whatever they had offered. He could have said that. He's the owner of the team. They would have done it mm-hmm. and they would have gotten Paxton Lynch. And that would have been part of a sordid chapter, obviously, in Cowboys history. But they went by their board. They did what they were supposed to. They passed on him. Uh, Jerry was ticked off that they didn't get him. And then they ended up kind of living happily ever after. Uh, in getting Dak Prescott midway through the fourth round. Did you get the feeling that David
0: Tepper was enamored with Bryce Young and that was a David Tepper pick?
10: Well, I don't know if it was a David Tepper pick but he definitely was enamored with Bryce Young. In fact, somebody told me that when the Bryce Young workout happened at Alabama, David Tepper was like all over his family and, and just spending so much time talking to everybody in the family. Whereas a lot of the other quarterback workouts they went to, he just watched the player and stood there with the coaches and all that. But I think for a long time, at least I felt that this might not be a guy who Frank Reich was all in on, but I think the reason why they were all in on Bryce Young I'd say for the last month, maybe not all in by the time when they made that trade uh, in uh, early March, but they were all in by, um, you know, like April 1st. And I think the reason is they're convinced that they can build a little a little womb around Bryce Young and that his size is not going to be that big a deal. Now, it might be. It's dangerous. I mean, You know He's going to play all these teams where all the defensive linemen will outweigh him by 100 pounds and be eight inches taller and all that other stuff, but it's not going to be all that much different. It'll be different. It's not going to be all that much different than what he faced in the SEC.
0: Peter King, football morning in America. We had all kinds of storylines, especially in the first round. You had Houston uh, paying a king's ransom to come up to number three and pick second and third. You had the Will Levis story, the roller coaster. I know that you had him number four in your mock draft. Everybody, yes, everybody yeah. thought he was going to go very, very quickly, and he and he lasted the entire evening. You had a surprise running back in Detroit after the Lions traded down. What are the, yeah. what, what are the stories that either surprised or interested you the most, Peter?
10: Two running backs picked in the top 12 really surprised me. Okay. You know, Jameer Gibbs, obviously being a part of that surprise and look, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the Seahawks, but I think getting Zach Charbonnet, I think at 52, that was a pick in the right area of the draft for a running back. And and so I think the running back thing surprised me. There's two other things, like one that really surprised me, that Nick Casario, the general manager of the Houston Texans, basically paid franchise quarterback compensation to move up to number three to take a defensive end who a lot of people think will be a solid, good, long-time player, but not a great player, not Bruce Smith or or anything, and so it surprised me how much that Nick Casario gave because he gave up basically he denuded their draft next year, giving a one and a three just to be able to to move up uh, to be able to get Will Anderson. So there would be a lot of pressure on Will Anderson. The last thing I thought it was interesting, just really really interesting. Remember when the Aaron Rodgers trade was made a few days ago and everybody said, ah, they're just trading from 15 to 13. Won't be that big a deal. Won't really affect the draft. I think it affected the draft because when you think about it, Mitch, the New York jets wanted, I believe there are people who I trust in the league, Broderick Jones, who's a uh, tackle from Georgia. So they moved to 15 and I believe they were going to take Broderick Jones. But the Steelers jumped right ahead of them. Their new uh, first year GM Omar Khan traded right ahead of the Jets and picked Broderick Jones, which I think you know, the Steelers are probably gonna start him right away. That interested me because there was a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of drama there. The Jalen Carter story, Mitch, which had some tentacles into Seattle, obviously, mm-hmm. interests me, but I kind of think the Seahawks did the right thing in passing him, in bypassing him. You do. He, he might be great. He might be fantastic. But the amount of resources you're going to have to use and without really knowing if he's going to be a great player for 10 years or whether he, he has some you know, inner issues that certainly did plague him at Georgia, do you want to do that or do you want to solve something a couple of weeks ago, you know, in making calls on this and talking to people, I had one GM say to him that one of the absolute sure things in this draft is Devin Witherspoon. I never thought Seattle was going to take a corner at five. I just didn't think it. But Devin Witherspoon is a physical Legion of Boom type player. He's the most physical of all the corners. i mm-hmm. uh, very confident. I think he's going to fit in well there. And I really like that pick by John Schneider.
0: Do you think Malik McDowell spooked them?
10: Uh, That's an interesting question. It's possible, but I mean, they've had other players over the years who haven't been altogether easy all the time, you know, like Marshawn. I don't think of the Seahawks shying away from a great player if he's hard to deal with. The the Jalen Carter thing was a little different because you really question, does he really love football? Uh, you, you just, there's a lot of questions about him and then what happened off the field, you know, with this drag racing thing that he pleaded no contest to and obviously resulted in a tragedy. And I still don't know the, the whole story of that. And, but I do think Mitch, that sometimes if you're a guy like John Schneider you know, if you were close and the one thing you're missing is a great defensive tackle, hey, if you won 13 games last year and didn't yes. win the Super Bowl, yes. there's one piece you need, yes. take them. Yes. But I just don't think it's that, that that's the case.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because you've now stepped into exactly my mindset. There are a lot of people, Peter, who said, oh, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive tackle. This is not a rebuilding Team, this is a team that was in the playoffs a year ago, and right. I and I bristle at that. I, I just don't accept that. I, yeah, they were in the playoffs, but here's what else happened last year: they were one of the worst teams in the NFL the last eight games of the season. They backed into the playoffs. Yeah. They started six and yeah. two. They have a lot more holes than defensive tackle, and that's why I love. And I don't normally love what John Schneider does. I love this time around what Schneider did. He went and got a, a great corner to to pair with Tariq Woolen. Yeah. He went and got yeah. him. They need a wide – it's 2023. They've been searching for this third wide receiver for years with the D. Eskridge's and all these guys. They got yeah. him. They got yeah. the number one wide receiver on most boards in the league. Yeah. I mean, they, then they went in the in the second round and got an edge guy and then they got a running back to to pair with uh, Walker. I just think this Seahawks team is further away than a lot of people think and therefore yeah. love exactly what they did by not by not stretching to get the defensive tackle.
10: I totally absolutely agree. There are different times in your your football lives when you make different decisions. You can't always do the same thing. Let's all be realistic. Let's I I love what you just said about the Seahawks that, okay, they're not as good as the Niners right now. We know that, but they're not a hundred miles away. Let's build this team the right way. If you can get at number 20, the best wide receiver in a draft at a position that you need do it. It's not maybe necessarily the biggest need on your team, but, it's a need uh, you know long term yeah i totally agree with you you know the one other thing i would say about what seattle did is i mean if you think about this now think about every team in the division and because uh the arizona cardinals are really kind of far away right now and because they use some draft capital and basically pushed it into next year. Let's state the facts. The team in the NFC West that improved the most on draft weekend, I think is the Seattle Seahawks.
0: And let me double down on the defensive tackle. Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree and I'll let you go. Um, My contention is if you did an analysis and one of these days, I'm going to be not lazy enough to, I'm just going to do it. If you did an analysis of what position on the field is easiest to win with journeymen. Yeah. If you go over all of the NFL Super Bowl winners and runners-up and you took a look at their defensive tackles, yes, there are Aaron Donalds in there and Indomitian Su's and guys with great lineages, but I bet you you would find six-year veterans, free agents, not high-priced guys, big 352. Yeah. Yeah. You would find journeymen at defensive tackle more than any other position on the field. Yeah.
10: Yeah. I think you're right about that. I think you're absolutely right about that. There's no question that on talent alone, Jalen Carter is a guy you want on your team. Okay. But let's talk about the things other than talent. Okay. And let's talk about, let's talk about what really matters in players. If you look at the Seahawks now, they have zero players on their team right now who were first-round picks in your up the middle defense, nose tackle, defensive tackle. I mean, the closest one I think I'm going to be right on this isn't isn't the closest one, Jaron Reed. Yeah, you know he was. I think he was a two, if I'm not mistaken, like a a middle two. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is not that the Seahawks were without a need at the position, but I believe you're right. You've got a guy who very, very experienced in taking just guys on the defensive front and Pete Carroll and figuring it out. That's what Pete does. Yeah. He just figures it out. And so I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's one of the reasons why you absolutely do not want to force a pick, especially at number five overall. I mean, you know, John Schneider, I think this is his 14th draft. If I'm not mistaken in Seattle, he had never picked in the top five ever. I just sort of look at this Mitch and say, if this is the only time and John Schneider, I'm sure believes, this is the only time he's going to be picking in the top five in his career because he's got faith in what he does and all that. Yep. You know, you probably want to make sure that you're able to go to bed that night and sleep soundly because you know that you have picked a good player who is going to be a really good football player and you don't have a lot of questions about it.
0: Football Morning in America, read it by Peter King. It's the best and you'll get all the inside scoop from what happened behind the closed doors of the NFL draft. Thank you, Peter. Let's visit again soon.
10: Okay, Mitch. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: So, what's the best spot in the Northwest to celebrate special occasions? Daniel's Broiler, of course. Here he is, Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. How's everything in the restaurants, Lindsay?
3: Hey, Mitch, it's going great. Yeah, we're uh, as you know, we're coming up on Mother's Day, Sunday, May 14th, which is one of the busiest days of the year for us. And we love seeing moms and everybody celebrating together. So really excited for that.
0: Danielsbroiler.com at the time of this recording. How are reservations? Are they open for the locations on the actual Mother's Day? And if not, I guess Friday or Saturday. But you open early on Sunday.
3: Yeah, at this point, we've got reservations and we make it a longer day. So, normally, Sundays we just open for dinner, but for Mother's Day, we open at noon at the Leshi, South Lake Union, and Bellevue locations. So, a lot more opportunity for seating on Mother's Day, and it's going to be a great day.
0: And will Lindsay Schwartz's mother be at a Daniels Broiler location this Mother's Day?
3: You know, we're still trying to work that out, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but sometimes we go, as you know, sometimes we don't. We always go for Thanksgiving, but uh-huh. I got a question for you. Uh-huh. It's, it's, Hold on, but you've got to finish. Finish answering this question.
0: If she were to go this Mother's Day, your mom, A, would she
3: be able to get a table or not? And B, if she went, what would she order? Okay, first of all, I would make the reservation early. That's why we would all get a table. I know enough to know you got to do that. Uh-huh. And uh, if she goes, I've, I've told you before, she loves Pacific Northwest Salmon. That, yeah. That's her go-to Mother's Day every day, even Thanksgiving, actually, for her. So that's how she rolls. But my question for you is, Yeah, has your mother ever yeah. been to Daniel's Broiler on Mother's Day?
0: Well, Seal Levy has been to Daniel's Broiler on multiple occasions, and I think special occasions – but I don't ever recall her being there on a Mother's Day because I don't ever recall her being here in the Pacific Northwest on Mother's Day. But if she were to be there on May 14th, she would not get the salmon. She would get the petite filet and have it cooked rare. She likes it red. She likes it bleeding. That's what she would order. Unless you're going to open a location in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, she won't be there this this Mother's Day. Sorry, Lindsay.
3: I'll let you know if we're going to open one in in her area, and and, uh, we'll Uh, take you there opening night. Daniels Broiler,
0: DanielsBroiler.com Make your reservations for mom early and get there, and if it's too late and you want to go on Friday or Saturday night, that's a great time to celebrate, too, because Daniels Broiler is the best for special occasions.
4: Unfiltered.
0: Other Stuff segment, episode 237. Hotshot Scott, Mariners, salvage one on Sunday yeah. from the Blue Jays, but they've been scuffling. <laughs> I've got a 10. couple of little games I want to play with you on the Other Stuff segment. You want to do that now or you want to start?
1: Let's play a game. By you the way, way, I got two games. Where was Jalen Ramsey drafted? If you had to pick a guess for $10 million cash. Yeah, I'd say first round, really high. I, I would say 12. Jalen Ramsey was drafted number 5. Same spot. Same spot. Ooh.
0: How about that? I, I misspoke in segment one. I said I don't remember him being in the top
1: five pick. Well, I mean, 12 is pretty close. I mean, that's a pretty damn good pick. But, Seven away, yeah. But what does that tell you? A guy like Jalen Ramsey picked at five. That's what I was trying they, to tell they you. They couldn't yeah. miss, they thought. That's what I'm trying didn't. to tell you.
0: If John Schneider and Pete Carroll pick a corner at number right. five, and he's the number one corner in the whole class, they're telling us this is an all-pro to be. Not that's right. a good, not, that's right. not Shaquille... Uh, Shaq Griffin? Shaq Griffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A a serviceable guy. No, (laughs) this guy is number five overall. (laughs) This guy better be Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) That's right. Or I'm going to kick your ass. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, You want to play a little fill in the blank? Of course. I have two little games for you on the other stuff segment. I got fill in the blank (laughs) right? and I got what was Patino mouthing? Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Fill in the blank is first. I'm going to read to you a story. You fill in the blank. ESPN national baseball reporter Marley Rivera has been fired after an incident at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. She used vulgar words to describe a fellow female reporter while trying to interview Aaron Judge. True. TMZ got a hold of the video. Of course. Where Rivera can clearly be heard calling the freelance reporter Yvonne Gate a blank blank.
1: Yes. I did
0: my homework. Adjective and noun. Yes. I don't know that you want to say it, even on a podcast. <laughs> All right, I'll clean it up. How about if you, can we spell it? I, we can say it. I'm sure we can say it, but I don't want to, I don't want like, I don't want like Steve Dion putting
1: the obscene check. Yeah, we don't
0: need day. that. Don't
1: so she called her an effing bunt.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: There yes, you go. I cleaned I, don't, it up.
0: I don't think that she called her an effing bunt though.
1: Nope. She used different words, but yes. I think they rhyme. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not good. Quote, I fully
0: accept responsibility for what I said, which I should not have. There were extenuating circumstances, but that in no way is any excuse for my actions. I am a professional with a sterling reputation across baseball. I do believe that I'm being singled out <laughs> by a group of individuals with whom I have a long history of professional
1: disagreements. Now, are you really taking accountability when you throw in that last right. line? Did I you watch like the I've, video? Yeah. No, it doesn't look like she's being singled out. (laughs) I think the person she was talking to was being singled out by her. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's not really... By the
0: way, bad news for the person she called the effing bunt. Yes. She happens also, that person happens to be the wife of Major League Baseball Vice President oh, of no. Communications,
1: John Blundell. God, bad luck. Wrong spouse. Yep. Yeah. Oh uh, Yeah, she lost her job, right? I mean, yeah, she's yeah. out. She's out. Yeah. 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 You can't be doing that. I mean, technology's gonna take everyone out at some point. She yes. just never thought that anyone's recording. She could just say it like the old days and I'm going
0: to be naive. I'm going to give you my naive remark about this. Okay. I didn't think women used that word, that second word. Interesting. That's a real... If you said to me, Mitch, what are the most vulgar words that you can come up with? Like, what's the most vulgar (laughs) word? Yeah. Most people will say the F word. I think that C word is probably more kind of taboo yeah. than any word in the English language. For Am sure I wrong this,
1: about that? No, for sure in this country. In England, it's a little different. They they, really? they, they love it over there. <laughs> oh, God. It, they say it all the time. Give
0: me an English here in the United States. Give yeah. me a word that's more frowned upon
1: than that word right there. I don't know that you can come up with one. I yeah. think it's the number one. I think it's number one on the hits. I think it is uh, think number, one on <laughs> number one on the club. I would call number one. I would love to hear that. All right. And so now you, at number one. <laughs> It starts with a C and ends
0: with a T. Oh, Yeesh. Snuggles. You want to do what was Patino mouthing or do you know that one also? No, that, that one I don't know. Over the weekend, Rick Patino got to visit the venue where his team will play some of their home games when he watched the Knicks face off against the Cavaliers in the first round of the <laughs> NBA playoffs, Along with the, what was it? The Teller, the uh, Tsar, the, the czar, hey, czar of, of the, the telestrator, telestrator, yes. Mike Frotello. <laughs> um, He'd he have a perm every once in a while. He would just show up with Carolina. And the Knicks are hearing it from the crowd. Uh, he was among the list of notable attendees. Okay. ESPN featured on the broadcast. You know how they do that? They come back from a break in action, and they they show you who's at the game at Madison Square Garden, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. and they they identify him, and they go from stars, and here's Adam
1: Sandler, yeah, yeah. and here's Billy Crystal. My first is you know. about a guy at a Laker game. Okay, so, yeah. so there you go.
0: So they were doing this. They were going from star to star, and they, they cut to Rick Pitino. Okay. Unfortunately, it was a fairly inopportune time to go oh, no. to Rick Pitino as he was saying something... <laughs> To someone. Oh what was Patino <laughs> mouthing that you could read
1: clearly? Oh no. Lip
0: reader? You don't even have to be a lip reader because I watched the video and yeah. it was easy breezy. I could come up with it easy breezy. Does
1: trouble just follow this guy wherever he goes? I mean, <laughs> he's probably illegally recruiting somebody ten minutes earlier, and now he gets caught doing this. Uh, this is more fun.
0: This is more uh, fun.
1: I have it's fun I, for you.
0: I didn't see the video. So just guess. What was he mouthing? What the F was that? Bettino acknowledged that he was giving his phone number to somebody at Madison Square Garden. Oh, jeez. And you didn't have to be a lip reader to be able to come up <laughs> with his exact phone number. It was as clear as day, and ESP had stayed on the shot just long <laughs> enough for you to know Rick Bettino's number. But Rick Bettino, who I think has softened over the years a little bit, okay. not nearly as stressed out. And on Monday, Patino acknowledged that that was the case by revealing that he received more than 300 texts <laughs> and stating he understandably decided to change his number. And the poor woman he was probably trying to give it to now doesn't have it. It wasn't a woman. He, oh, it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, here's what his tweet said. So yesterday I was enjoying the Knicks game and someone read my lips on TV giving out my phone number. Unreal. Over 300 plus messages came in. Here's the bizarre news 95 percent of them were nice and positive <laughs> and i got a lead on seven new recruits <laughs>
1: No, know that's funny so <laughs> i like it he took it and he
0: changed his changed his phone
1: number I just his life wasn't ruined by technology <laughs> just another guy who never thought that anyone would ever be able to do that but every you know you're always filmed everyone's being filmed at all times and that's unbelievable you remember people could read the touch tones too like on the radio if you were to call someone live on the radio you mean the the sound yeah doo, doo, the, the touchtone yeah. sounds people could read those and figure out numbers and yeah uh, right now people uh, are wondering in our audience touchtone what the hell is a touchtone i know i've been to some of our you know gatherings and seen some of our listeners they know <laughs> <laughs> trust me all right hey by the way quick trivia for you where what was, are you trying to say where it ain't the cube uh, 93 <laughs> listeners that I remember. I'll tell you that. All right. Where was Deion Sanders drafted? Give me a number. Obviously, first round. What number was Deion uh, Sanders so drafted many. at? 1989. Oh, geez. I don't know. Hi. He was a good player in college, if you remember. <laughs> you I don't know. 15. In number five. Again. How about that? Cornerbacks that are draft number five do very well. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He better be. De- he better be Deion Sanders. He better. Yeah. Deion was pretty good, so hopefully he yeah. uh, pans out. This all right. Other dreams. stuff. Go ahead. Go Am- ahead. Amid Josh. rumors of health issues that keep him confined to his home, yep. Jack Nicholson made yeah, his joyous it. return to the public eye Friday night, yep. going to the Laker playoff game. That there was a picture of him that came out like on his his, like, deck or something. He just didn't, he looked, I mean, he's Doesn't an older man. Great. 86. He didn't, he didn't look great, so I think maybe he saw that floating around. He's like, oh, I'll just go to the game. People can <laughs> see me. I'm not dying. I I look like I always do for the Apparently most part. He's having memory issues. Yeah, it's so yeah. sad, man. Yeah. But, yeah, he was with his son, Ray, courtside saw to watch that. him beat saw the Grizz. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool to see Jack out and about. Absolutely. Legend. Yeah. Yeah, I love the guy. Yeah. Watch The Shining again, everybody. It's, he puts on a master class of One acting. One who
0: flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah,
1: also good. Yeah.
0: What was the one where he had all the um, superstitions? He wouldn't step on the crack with Helen Hunt.
1: Yeah. Later in his career. Yes. Um, the right stuff? No. Definitely not the right stuff. He was no. not an astronaut in that no. one. <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about? You complete me. Like was you, is that was that the line he said? Yeah. No, no. You make me want to be a better man.
6: I think that was the line.
1: What's the movie? Ah, uh, you're killing me. Helen now.
6: Hunt
0: and he was like a curmudgeon, and she softened him up oh, a little bit. Oh, for sure, I saw it in the theater. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Of course, he didn't, he didn't want to step on the cracks because yep, it breaks yep. your mother's back or something. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember liking that movie. This is why I like Helen
1: Hunt. This is where my wife comes in handy. She would know it in two seconds. No, two seconds. As good as it gets.
0: As good as not the right stuff.
1: Not the right stuff. As no. good as it gets. <laughs>
0: yes. All right. Um, two long NFL soap operas are finally over. Thank goodness.
1: Aaron Rodgers is officially the... <laughs> sorry, I thought you were going to say like, the bold and the beautiful. I really thought you were going to tell
3: us. <laughs> I said NFL so Oh, offers. sorry.
0: I
1: should probably listen.
0: Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jets quarterback. I yep. don't know what that does for you. Uh, he was offered number 12 by Joe Namath. Oh, Joe Namath gave him his blessing if he wanted to wear number 12. And he said, nope, I'll wear number eight. I think eight is what he wore at the University of California. Okay, So he will, he will pass on wearing 12. He wore eight. He also restructured his contract. Okay, so that they could have a little salary cap room this year to build. And as a result, he's going to make a little bit of money next year, 2024. Would you like to take a guess <laughs> on how much Aaron Rodgers in just the year 2024, just the year 2024, yeah. how much is Aaron Rodgers going to deposit into his bank account?
1: He sounds like a real mensch, giving up money for the team. I giving mean, up money for the yeah, team. Yeah, so I mean, you know.
0: $107.5 <laughs> in just
1: 2024. <laughs> he'll be how old? Like... Eighty-seven.
0: He will be one year younger than Jack Nicholson. That's right. That's a Los Angeles. <laughs> and God. Lamar Jackson, the other soap oh, opera. Oh, man. The whole thing has been settled with the Ravens. They've settled their differences. He gets five years, $260 million. He doesn't get the whole thing guaranteed like Deshaun Watson. That was the big sticking Uh-oh. point. He saw Deshaun Watson get it guaranteed. He wanted it guaranteed. He only got, sorry, $185 million guaranteed. <laughs> right. He represented himself. Jalen Hurts last week got two fifty-five. million. 255 million 179 guaranteed he got 260 185 guaranteed so he breaks all the records except for I guess the guarantee record that Deshaun Watson still owns I think he got a better deal than than number three in, in Denver, Colorado as well.
1: I hope he'll be able to live on that. I know it wasn't what he wanted, but maybe you know. he can build a home that has more than like three <laughs> bedrooms. That's right. Three bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he's got more friends than Russell. All right. An update. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. An
0: update on your friend Deion Sanders in the University of Colorado. You've been pushing me. You've been pushing him on me yes. every single podcast. I think there's something there. Mitch, they're gonna be good. They're yep. gonna be good. Let's play a little game called. How many Colorado players transferred after the spring game? Okay. The spring game last Saturday. The yeah. spring game you talked about. Oh, sure. The spring game that Fanfare. had all those people That Yeah. Yeah. How many guys the
1: next day transferred? <laughs> Wait, transferred out of Colorado or two Colorado? Out of Colorado. I, I don't it looked great. I can't imagine. 18 guys really the next
0: morning. <laughs> Why? Which means since April 15th. How long ago was April 15th? Uh 15 two days weeks ago? ago. Yeah. yeah.
1: 31 guys have transferred out of Colorado. Wow. <laughs> now, again, it could be like... Yeah, the guys fifth. that he doesn't want. He doesn't want them. Yeah, and you know, maybe they're fighting for third string and they realize yeah. that the spring game, this yeah, ain't yeah. happening. I'm sure there's some of those. Doesn't mean guys. a bunch of studs left yeah. there, but yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just saying, I'm, hey, it ain't gonna happen know. for you, kid. Hit I the portal. Know. Two of the guys that the transferred,
0: by the way, are the top two returning wide receivers on the team. Jordan Tyson and Montana Lamonius Craig... Were Colorado's leaders in receptions
1: and yards last year? Right. Both said, nah. But I was fourth on that list last year. Colorado. I mean, it's Colorado last year. He's he's probably bringing in stud 18-year-olds. They're like, nope, okay. this ain't happening. All right. That's what I think. I think he's going to make a difference. Prime I still time. do. That's right. Yes. Fifth overall, in case yes. you didn't hear that. Yeah. Terrifying moment during an independent wrestling match last weekend. A wrestler accidentally set himself on fire no. while trying to perform a stunt and no, suffered. I'm laughing. He, he's okay, but he yeah. suffered significant burns to his face and body yeah. in the process. And I was just thinking... Not so easy, is it there, said Gene <laughs> Simmons, who's been doing it for 50 effing years on stage. It's yeah. not so easy. Not so easy. And by the way, does anything look more flammable than Gene's awful hair? I mean, if anything was going to catch fire. Gene has to sit down now during concerts, take oh, a break. Yeah. God, it's so sad. I know he just breathes smoke now. Why don't they, fire not come just do out. it
0: when they sing Beth. They don't need him for Beth, do they? Well, he's never
1: been out there for Beth. <laughs> So let him sit down have Peter a always sits down a on, a, on a stool And gets a rose And sings Beth And sings along They don't even play it He just sings along To a recording It's weird but yeah. Really? Oh yeah I, I don't know oh, It's just a piano Oh, But I don't I don't think anyone I don't think they've ever Played it live Peter's It's not Peter anymore But Peter used to sing it But like I said It would just be a recording yeah. Of it Of the piano oh. Anyway Yeah oh. So yeah Gene is not out there yeah. For Beth You never did a Kiss
0: uh, Show on
1: our no, no. It, would they not be good enough i just think you have to be a kiss fan yeah and i i don't think they have a bunch of songs no real good you, stories about the four plenty people. of stories but i i don't know but for the music you wouldn't go oh i forgot i love that song i i they, they weren't radio friendly they didn't have radio hits back to your bandana <laughs> yes about time bruce springsteen's guitarist oh little of, uh, van zant did he wear a bandana did he does he?
0: Oh yeah. See, I'm good. I got to be impressing you. I've now pulled out Vince Neal. That's true. Brett Michaels, you pulled out, but I knew him. And then uh, Van Zant. Is that his name? Van Zant.
1: Steven Van Zant. Van Zant. I, I, th- I
0: think he wear a bandana like you. Well, we know why. He- look-
1: oh. we know why he's wearing it. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't think there's much going on up there. So he he wears the full head cover. See, I, I have lots of hair that sticks out. Oh, yeah. He he covers his head. Oh, and I then see. in this, you didn't watch Sopranos? No. He was in it. He clearly had this awful wig in Sopranos. So yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much going on no. up there with the hair. No. So, yes, he does wear one all the time. Speaking of Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band, did you yes. see who jumped on stage to sing Back Up With Him? Would that be Michelle Obama? It would be I'm Michelle so Obama. I'm so up to date on, really my, on, my, on, my,
0: on my pop culture yeah. and my who... Who was the last person to jump up with Bruce Springsteen on (laughs)
1: stage? Same song? No, it wasn't the same song. Dancing in the dark. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. I remember a young Courtney Cox with short hair. She sure was. Before all the work with the mom jeans, doing it all. Yeah. Mom jeans. Oh sure. Was she wearing mom jeans? Oh you betcha. God. Pulled way up high. They're probably back in style now. I remember. yeah, <laughs> it's great for podcasting. Yeah, um, Michelle Obama saying "Glory Days." Glory Days. Back yeah. up with yeah. Bruce. So yeah, every non-liberal just exploded yeah. with that. First sentence. wife, Bruce Springsteen's first wife um, from Sisters.
0: Don't remember her name. Very pretty, but don't remember her name. Redheaded gal. Oh, uh, is that his first? Oh, yeah. And then the second wife is the backup singer. now,
1: Right. Who's now. Scalia. Scalfia. Forced to go on stage Scalfia, every, yeah, all the yeah, time yeah, with yeah, him. because yeah. Am cool. I
0: up or are you up? Go ahead. In an excerpt of her upcoming book, Paris the Memoir. Oh, no. I promise.
1: You did. Yes. And you delivered. The
0: reality TV star turned media mogul gets candid about the sex tape she made with boyfriend. Oh, you said Brett Michaels. No, no, no. Brett Michaels with. with No. Okay, I'm, I think I'm, you're all
1: over the place. Yeah. Rick Solomon. Of course, it was Rick Solomon. I don't know who Rick Solomon is. Oh, he's a scumbag. I
0: don't remember that much about the night he wanted to make a videotape while we made love. Hilton <laughs> writes, <laughs> <laughs> revealing romantic, that she yes. drank, <laughs> revealing that she drank alcohol and took Quaaludes prior oh, to the okay. making of the tape. What is it? 1972. Quote. quote I, I just want to know. Do you believe her? Quote. He had often said it was something he did with other women but I felt weird and uncomfortable about it, and I always told him I can't. It's too embarrassing. Hilton says she was pressured into making the tape and was assured that no one else would ever see it.
1: Yeah, that old trick.
0: <laughs> he told me if I wouldn't do it, he could easily find someone who would. Oh, geez. And that was the worst thing I could think of to be dumped by this grown man because I was a stupid kid who didn't know how to play grown-up games. Let's go
1: back to what I said. I'm just about...
0: saving you some time so you don't have to go out and purchase and read Paris <laughs> the
1: Memoir. Let's go back to what I said about Rick Solomon being an absolute scumbag. He just is. He's I don't gross. know who that is. Yeah, he, first what, had, what, what, he just kind of hangs around in that Hollywood I world. Know. and Yeah, he's just kind of gross. So do you believe all this? She was pressured into it. She didn't want to do
0: it. She was on Quaaludes. Ugh. He threatened to throw her out and get somebody who else was going to do it.
1: I I mean. Do you, it, you, you,
0: you buy it all that or is that just kind of revisionist history?
1: I think it could be a little of both. I mean, probably she probably little, wasn't yeah, dying to yeah, do it. Yeah. You know, and the older she gets, she has a yeah. kid now, you know. Does She's she? a mom now. Really? So, you know, I'm sure well, that's hitting her. Like, I that tape really exists. Why do uh. I do that? Although the Kardashians made a billion dollars off that one video that parlayed into these billion-dollar Literally careers. a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, more. A billion. Combined yeah. as a family, it's oh my God. 10 billion. And which Kardashian was it? Kim was in the video. Okay. Yeah. With? um it was brandy's brother what is his name nick uh it's gonna torture me now cannon wait, was nick it? Cannon? i think no. it was nick cannon no, i'm just it? joking
0: around i don't know i i, I don't know
1: i think it might have been nick cannon all right you do a story and i'm gonna find no it. i'm done i'm done i got rips oh that's it yeah okay um let's see here this i can't believe this is becoming a thing now you're gonna go wait you just did this story on an american airlines flight from new york to new delhi a passenger urinated on another flyer you did do this story right is this another passenger another urinator on a flight a cross-country flight or unsurprisingly flight? the passenger was drunk according to new delhi tv and was yes, promptly arrested Quaaludes, that's right and, yes f- and, and pushed him to rick, do it rick solomon was there for was some reason Told by the neighbor in the next chair if you don't do it i'll find somebody <laughs> that's drunk. right but here's the thing it's yeah. it is becoming a thing there have been at least two other incidents in the last few months where a passenger peed on a fellow flyer on flights from new york to new delhi no one knows why this is happening but this is like the third one mm. maybe just a coincidence mm. if you have a trip scheduled from new york to new delhi mm-hmm. wear the hazmat suit and be very <laughs> careful okay all right got, um, it. got this, it this one hit me alana thompson i'm sure you watched her show back in the day known as honey boo boo oh really honey boo boo like took over the world for a minute no she was this little kid on a show called i think it was a dance moms or a stage Moms, something must, about pageant must kids. be a little bit out of my zone so after that show they gave her a spinoff she was nuts i mean she was this crazy little hyper kid i don't know who this is honey boo boo no well she went to her senior prom over the weekend i mean she was like a little kid honey boo boo just went to her senior prom i just can't believe time okay goes. then
0: she was a little kid 15 years ago yeah, that's well. Okay, okay. When she was a little kid doing the kids show 15 years ago, I was 84.
1: That's true. I forgot about that. By the way, 15 um, years ago, f- I wouldn't know kids shows from 15 years ago by yeah, 10 or what whatever. wrong with you? But it wasn't a kid show. It was about her family. It wasn't a kids show. I don't know because the family boo-boo. was out of control. I don't know, honey, boo.
0: Oh, are you really sorry? Can't help you with that. That's I a- literally. This must have. I must have been in a coma. I yeah, never even heard the the reference to Honey Boo Boo.
1: Of course, her date was 21, but it's small-town yeah. Georgia, so what are you going to do, right? right? 21 and 17? All right, sounds good. Oh, By wow. the way, Tucker Carlson out at Fox, Don Lemon out at CNN. yeah yep, yep. Are spinning. now they're buddies. Oh, are they? They're no, gonna, I don't know. They they're, should do a podcast. They've been texting back and forth. If they did a podcast, I bet they would get a lot of listeners, right? I mean, you could pull from both sides. That would be kind you of interesting. You have to give people ideas yeah, that's for true. podcasts,
0: please. Yeah, so we the, got
1: one, you know. We do one here. We do still okay. All right, R.I.P.s. I'm sure we got the same ones. I've got two, one big one. Well, both couple big ones. Yeah, yeah. Who do Uh, you got? Jerry Springer. Yep, seventy nine. Jerry pancreatic cancer. Yeah,
0: boy. I have been. Have you been? Did you spend any time like reading reaction and people what people have had to say about him and people who have you? I've gotten kind of. Pulled into that rabbit hole of the internet, yeah, where I've been watching guys like uh, Maury Povich, yeah, they were and good friends, Geraldo Rivera, and all these different people say, and not just those, not just people from that genre, just people in general that said this guy. Was as nice a human being Down to earth, self-deprecating Never took himself seriously Would do anything for anyone I mean it it is really It was the, the emotion The outpouring of love for Jerry Springer I would have never seen it coming uh, how great of a guy! Very, very, very sweet from a lot of people.
1: Born in London during World War II to refugees escaping the Holocaust. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Springer was raised in Queens, and his show was on for 27 years. 27 Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. They had fights and people made fun of him, and yeah. But he was also a politician.
0: Yes, he was the mayor, oh, so and then he, he was also a,
1: he was also a news anchor. Did yeah, you know that he was an aide to Bobby Kennedy? Like, yeah, yeah. he had a crazy life, and yeah. then he finds this niche where people fight on TV. and yeah. 27 years and later, and I've seen a lot of inner interviews since he passed
0: of him being under fire for that show which by the way got more viewers at one point than oprah his right, right no one got more no one got more viewers than
1: it oprah. hooked me in i'll tell you back in it
0: oh god you I, loved being I, sick from school that's what everybody said I, <laughs> jerry thank you for all those sick days because when right. you're sick from school you watch jerry <clears throat> but what was i going to say um oh i watched a lot of interviews like larry king lot larry believe it or not was grilling him about why do you do this yeah yeah don't you want to be remembered for something other than this uh, you know just really pushing him and he'd answer and then larry came back with a similar question but why you know and he handled it if i showed you that interview you mm. would you would walk away after like 10 minutes going first of all larry relax <laughs> right relax. <laughs> leave the guy alone, leave him alone. he wants Se- money like the rest of us second thing yeah and he says it yeah he says i get paid to do i get paid an, an enormous amount of That's money to right. do this but you will come away from that interview just liking him more because he didn't take offense at all. Never bristled to Larry mm. one time, yeah. but gave like thoughtful, like, you know, I, yeah, I'm a sellout. I Call me a sellout. I <laughs> am what I am. I, <laughs> I I, I, you know, I have an opportunity to do this. Mm. These are just regular people. And yeah, it's out of control. And yeah, yeah. he just, he was self-deprecating, very likable. And I didn't know that about him, unfortunately, until he passed away.
1: Right. You'd think people would just be like, oh, what a scumbag. Yeah. But it's complete not at opposite. All. Yeah. Not at all. OK. Who else do you have? This one you may not know, but it's 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 important, I think, to bring up Carolyn Bryant Donham. See, I thought you were going to say somebody else. OK. The woman who was who accused 14 year old Emmett Till of whistling at her, leading oh. to his horrifying death at the hands oh. of her husband. No, I don't know that. So a, a jury acquitted her husband and brother-in-law although many years later they confessed to killing this 14-year-old kid. There's actually a movie out, a film called Till if you want to know all about. Okay. I'll never watch it. It's horrifying. I'm sure it's a great movie but but yeah, she said this kid this African American kid whistled at her and then of course he was killed by her husband and father. So she was st- I didn't know she was still alive, but yeah, she was uh, wow. I think she was 96 or so but Okay. But that, that was a, a pivotal moment that kind of galvanized the civil rights. So that, I thought that was worth mentioning. And then, of course, Dale! Dale! Harry Belafonte. Passed who, like, away. Iconic and pioneering singer, actor, and civil rights activist passed away. There's this really cool moment in the making of We Are The World where... I think they're just bored. They're like waiting for Quincy to do something. Yeah. And it might be Stevie Wonder who kicks it off because Harry Belafonte is in the crowd. He like was the one that spearheaded We Are the World. And, mm-hmm. and then they just start, Day-o, and then Day-o. they, Daylight, come, man, you wanna go? And they—they're all singing it, right. like as loud as they can. And Harry looks so like embarrassed, and he's like just dead. But they completely gave the man a tribute during the making of We Are the World, which I thought was pretty cool. You can see it on YouTube if you guys. How old to watch was it. Uh, Harry? Belafonte? Harry Belafonte was ninety-six wow. years old. Sherry's father, right? Sherry Belafonte.
0: Yes. S H A R I. Am I wrong about that?
1: Equally hailed for his work as a civil yeah. rights leader and human rights yeah. activist, he was a Any pretty others? good man. Uh, I've the, got one that you haven't mentioned. Nope, that's it. Ginny Newhart died at the age of
3: 82. Oh,
0: I can't believe I missed that. Bob Newhart's wife of 60 years passed away this week. Ginny and Bob were set up by fill in the blank.
1: Don Rickles. Fellow comedian, Buddy Hackett. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> hey, Bob, I got somebody for you.
0: Newhart recalled, quote, Buddy said... I've got a girl for you, she's going with another guy, but I don't think he's right for her, so I'm going to fix you up on a blind date. You'll meet her, you'll date her, you'll marry her. Then you'll have kids, and you'll call one of the kids buddy. That's That's crazy. what he said. He met
9: her?
1: Yeah. He dated her? Uh-huh. He married her? <laughs> yeah. And he named his kid Buddy. Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. What a story. I mean, I've just heard about Ginny Newhart from Ripples yeah, yeah. and because they Apparently were like traveling she buddies. Up,
0: she came up with the idea, and I was not a Bob Newhart show watcher so maybe you know or maybe somebody will remember I guess the final scene there's a scene of somebody waking up in bed with Suzanne Plouchette. do you yeah, know anything about that it's all a
1: dream I think something's all a dream yeah. she
0: came up Ginny Newhart came up with that idea wow. and apparently it's become and I don't remember it but it's become one of the
1: iconic closing scenes
0: of right. a long running television show of all
1: time it sounded like a real sweetheart just from what I hear from Rickles because he and Rickles were best Ginny friends Newhart. And now Rickles is and gone. And they called their kid Buddy That's for amazing. Buddy Hackett. That's so great.
0: Buddy Hackett.
1: I love Buddy Hackett. It's so great. <laughs> Nobody Why? even knows who's Buddy <laughs> Hackett. <laughs> he just looks funny when he talks. It, it helps uh. in the in the comedy of it. I love, I think Buddy Hackett's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I love all those old cats. Up. All right, you have any headlines? An Arkansas woman was indicted after selling stolen body parts. She was. Mm. Looks like no five-finger discount given to that customer. A New Jersey library announced a book was returned after being checked out in July of 1979. It was. Sadly, that's the last time a book was ever checked out in the state of New Jersey. A town in Belgium organized a seagull imitation championship. It did. Still not clear how some of the contestants were able to poop white. And finally, a Pennsylvania podcaster conducts 37 straight hours of interviews for a world record. He did! Or as Mitch Levy calls it, three questions. Come on, I did it last on purpose. Give me the bell. (laughs) Let's go, come on. Come on, or I'll go back to talking about white poop. Let's do it. There you go, thank you, sir. I've shortened my questions. You have, okay, I didn't know that, see. I'll have to pay attention going forward. I go in and I edit them after I do them. That's right. You
0: probably do. Episode 237. (laughs) Sucked, but we'll do better the next time.
3: (laughs) Mitch unfiltered.
0: (laughs) Mitch unfiltered. Have a good
6: week.